Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome everyone to the spotlight here on Fightful.com, YouTube.com slash Fightful. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by Steven Jensen. Jensen, you look like you're already rocking out to some Limp Biscuit. Usually that's how you're acting like pre-show when I'm talking about like, Jensen, what's up? And you're just like, listen to Limp Biscuit, man. What's going on? Yeah, usually I'm not listening to Limp Biscuit currently, but a lot of the time when I'm just like, I try to be early, as early as I can to like get ready to go live. So I'll just kind of sit in like the waiting room usually for stuff. And I usually like to listen to music while I'm sitting there. And a lot of the time it is Limp Bizkit. So, uh, um, which I know you're a big fan as well. You've sent me videos of yourself uh, jamming out. But uh, we, but got yeah, a, no. we got a two hour drive to Pittsburgh next week for, for Dynamite. I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, car karaoke that'll be put up on the Twitter. Make sure uh, the EP that. sends me some uh, some footage of, of <laughs> the stuff that y'all are rocking out to. Um, and the funny thing is, like JJ said, rolling, rolling. Yeah, I love classic Limp Biscuit. Like I say, classic Limp Biscuit is so funny to say now. Um, like the old Limp Biscuit stuff, I really like a lot. Uh, like Significant Other and Three Dollar Bill, y'all, and Chocolate Starfish, Hot Dog Flavored Water, all that stuff. It's good. But stuff. like, I actually do like their new album. I don't like the whole album. Like there are songs that are that I'm not so into, but there was actually a couple good songs on the new album too. So. I'll uh I'll throw that out there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm one of those. I'm just one of those guys who I just like to listen to something that just kind of gets me in a good mood before I before I'm gonna be doing stuff in front of a whole bunch of people on the internet. So yeah, but no, cool, good day. I I, I went. I hit golf balls with my dad uh, about nice. an hour or so ago. Uh, got go, get out, get moving a little bit, go to the driving range, and uh, do. Then I got this, and then I got the Twitch stream tonight. That's uh, twitch.tv slash gaming. I'll either be playing Mario Kart with Joel or I'll be solo playing Fortnite. So join us for that too. So pretty pretty cool little Thursday, man. Uh, how you doing today? I I'm well. Ace Shock mentioned Nookie. What? Yep. A, I mean, I think that was when a lot of people probably like first discovered Limp Bizkit because TRL. Like it was like the it, it dethroned the the uh, the boy bands. Backstreet Boys and NSYNC just like had a hold on the number one, and then I think Nookie like dethroned them. So that was my like first kind of taste of, of Limp Bizkit. Your first taste was probably Faith. I see. I did listen to Faith, but I actually heard Nookie first, and then oh, okay. went back and I, I had heard Faith uh, afterwards, and I didn't realize like, it was the same band and stuff. Maybe I, I heard Faith and I didn't realize it was them. Nookie was my first like really preparing because I remember like I wanted to get like the album, and I was telling my dad, I was like, "Oh yeah, the lyrics are fine. They they they, they sing like, oh, I did it all for the Nookie, so you can take the cookie and stick it up your yeah. They say yeah. yeah, they don't say ass. And my dad is like, "Do you know what Nookie is?" And I'm like, "No, but they don't say they don't curse anything." And he's like, 
yeah, you're not getting that album. I was like, what? What's happening here? That was one that I had to sneak because it had the parental advisory logo and I was like 13 yeah. or whatever. So like, I remember getting it from uh, like a media play or like one of those kind of places that didn't really like care so much. And I I, I remember the TRL, TRL used to be a huge deal when like Carson yeah. Daly was hosting it. And I, I remember that, that era because like Faith, Faith was the first time that I had seen uh, or, or found out about Limp Bizkit and then yeah nookie was huge a lot of this stuff from significant other was huge and um faith was on three dollar bill y'all before they like really started to blow up and i remember uh around that time it was like limp biscuit corn the offspring like those kind of bands were like infiltrating the space of like uh nsync and the backstreet boys and, like 98 degrees and like all those kind of bands um so yeah man what a different era it's wild how how mtv has changed so much since then um even like i saw beavis and budheads returning soon which is like i don't know how that's gonna work out in you know 2022 but like that was a cultural phenomenon in the 90s but so anyways that's how old me and jeremy are like these are this is the stuff we grew up on it has nothing to do with wrestling but it's also just for what it's worth it does so, i so, mean fred durst wb true. hall of famer at least he should be in a wb be. video game yeah oh yeah now. The, that SmackDown game where he comes out in the car to roll in and yeah. he's doing the dancing that and all that. I, that's the best. That was the best. He like negotiated like, yeah, you can use my music in perpetuity on on everything from now on, but I got to be in the video game as a player yeah. character. It's like, it's like that's that's badass. But also, just so people know, a lot of the time we just kind of have a little banter before we get into the topics like this, little bits, just stuff to uh, kill a little time as people trickle in for the show. Cause I know not everyone can always just jump in here right at 2 PM. So that's why we, that's why we give y'all a little bit of extra, just messing around before we get started. So guys, send your super chats send your humper chats. Uh, JJ here in the super chat says, hello to my favorite Pixar and King of the Indies watcher. Super pumped more than normal for today's interview with speedball. Much love to you all. Yes. We, we talked to, to Mike Bailey. We spoke to him on Tuesday. That interview will air probably about three 30 ish or so. I don't want to put a full time on it, but probably about three 30 ish. We, we got 20 minutes with uh speedball, Mike Bailey. There are, I'll go ahead and warn everybody now and I'll warn it again. Uh, there were some connection issues throughout the, the interview. You don't lose any of the, the content or the context during the interview, but Speedball was in a hotel room. He was doing it from his phone. If you've said it in a hotel room, you know that hotel Wi-Fi sucks. Like it, it's got awful. So that, that that's where the connection issues come from. But again, it's not damaging enough to where it's like, oh, wait, what did he say here? Like it, it the interview still goes off pretty much without a hitch but that'll be again about 3 30 we'll we'll air the interview with mike bailey great guy and just coming off he corrected me i said he did 15 matches like it was nine in three days like we don't have to over exaggerate i was like it's still fucking crazy how many matches you did yeah but if you take like a calendar week or even like a calendar week and a half and it is probably close to closer to 15 because like he exactly he, he just continually wrestles and yeah um yeah, that like Jeremy said, there was there was some connection issues, but it didn't it doesn't take away at all from the conversation. Like you can still hear everything he's talking about. Just every now and then his his face just kind of like blurs out because yeah. it's like like Jeremy said, he was in a hotel room doing it off his phone. And by the way, on one day notice, like like we got that yeah. set up in one day. So like we did the best that we that we could. Me and Jeremy are nice and clear, like our connection is nice and clear. Um, but uh, but once again. There was just a, by the way, it wasn't the whole interview. It was just a couple of pockets in the interview. There's, there's plenty of the interview where he's, where he, there's no, no issue whatsoever. So, um, y'all will really enjoy that then interview, by the way, it's 20 minutes long and we talk impact wrestling. Uh, we talked the upcoming rebellion show. We talked the collective week. We talk a whole bunch of stuff with Mike Bailey. So, uh, 
yeah, they, I, I will. I, I, what a what a good get for the show to be able to get Speedball, especially right now while he's like arguably one of like literally like the best overall pro wrestlers in the world right now, in my opinion. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's get into it, Jensen. We're gonna start with AEW spotlights because our WWE spotlights are Madcap Moss for some reason and and Gunther uh, for another reason. At least I have a good reason for Gunther. You went Madcap Moss when I saw that when you messaged me your topic. I was like, this man watched SmackDown once. And he's like, we're going to talk about Mad Cat Moss. Remember, in the, in the Bailey interview, I, I, out, I, out, I out trivia you on current WWE. Y'all hear that. Um, yeah, what do you, so you want to start WWE this week? All right. No, 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 no. Oh, we're going okay. to start, we're going to start AEW. We're okay. going to start AEW where uh, kind of the show ended, which was Samoa Joe against Minoru Suzuki. This was everything I could have hoped and dreamed for before it started. I was just hoping like, just like, I don't need full on Joe Kobashi. But just give me the chops. Like everybody wants the chops. That's what we're here for. Just give me that. And that's exactly what they did. It, it obviously had more to it than, than the chop. But they went full chop fest for a good chunk of the match. Samoa Joe's chest just meat, just meat red. Suzuki's chest meat red. They did not give a fuck. They were chopping the shit out of each other. I love this. This is my kind of wrestling, just strong style wrestling. Fantastic stuff. Samoa Joe gets the victory with the muscle buster. Did this live up to the hype and the expectations for you, Steven Jensen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, to compare anything to Joe versus Kabashi is like such a tall comparison to me. You know what I mean? Because that that might be the best match I've ever seen. Like that's definitely in the conversation. And the thing with Suzuki is his stuff is especially in the u.s it's somewhat formulaic like it's a lot of the chops a lot of the slowing down and going like forearm to forearm and like you know it's there, there's certain things you always kind of expect out of suzuki match but in like the the casa ninare for the for the entrance and like there's there's a lot of stuff like you expect to see when you see suzuki and he did everything you expect to see when you see suzuki against joe and what put it over the top was it's joe hitting him back just as hard so like yeah. Both of those guys, I mean, the match started with like a solid like minute of them just going chop for chop. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was hard hitting. I think Joe winning is the right call. I mean, with Joe's, Joe's momentum and, and what he's going to do for AEW uh, going forward, uh, him having the TV title for Ring of Honor now, I think is smart because I think they'll eventually unify that with the world title probably because I don't see a real need for the TV title when you have the pure title and, and stuff as well already. Um, so I think this kind of sets some stuff up. And it also doesn't hurt Suzuki. I mean, Suzuki, his his only other AEW match I can remember was him losing to Danielson. I don't I don't remember if he, he done it. He did the he did the uh tag team match, him and Archer against Moxley and, and Kingston. That was the Arthur Ash headliner as well. That's right. Good call. So, but it's one of those things where like Suzuki he can he can afford to lose like regularly. He's not a full time exactly because once yeah exactly he isn't full-time and he in like the the reputation speaks for itself already it's like it's just cool to get dream matches and that by the way joe and suzuki never wrestled before so it's like yeah. this is a legitimate dream match happening in 2022 for the ring of honor world title on the main event of a nationally televised wrestling show on tbs like I thought the whole thing was awesome. I thought it was really well done. I thought the finish was good. I thought the whole match was good. I thought the story they told was good and yeah, I got I got no complaints whatsoever. I really enjoyed it. And, and Suzuki did the singles match against Moxley as well. That was the the infamous Cincinnati incident where they cut off the Kazanira. That's, that's right. What led to the uh, the tag team match. Um, right. 
I bless bless Samoa Joe when he when he returned against Max Caster, getting his feet wet a little bit. Max Caster is gonna he's gonna work his style. He's not gonna go in there and throw bombs on you because that's the that was the worry with Samoa Joe. If we're being honest, is like he would do these hard hitting matches in ROH. Yeah, the Suzuki incident. Sorry, not the Cincinnati incident. Um, he would do these hard hitting matches in ROH and TNA and, and things like that. But then WWE, he did the WWE style. And then he had the concussion issues. He had injury issues. And when he got released the first time from WWE and immediately resigned, people were wondering, oh, is this because like he just maybe doesn't have it in him to do the matches fans expect him to do in AEW? Because you look at Danielson, you, you look at Punk, like they're still going out there and doing the matches that fans expect them to do. Same, same with like somebody like John Moxley. And Pete, when Joe decided to resign, people were like, maybe Joe just doesn't want to be that guy anymore. Maybe he just doesn't want to do those matches. He's comfy where he's at, doing scouting and things like that. And then he worked. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless. I tried to mute my mic. I don't think I did. My fault. Um, then he worked the uh, the match against Cross, which wasn't wasn't great. Um, but then he goes, he comes back to AEW. He comes to ROH. And when he did the the post uh, the media scrum, and he was saying, you know, like I'm coming in, I'm here to hurt people, like I'm here to fight everybody, let's go, I'm coming after the title. I was like, okay, Samoa, he's here. It seems like he's ready to do this stuff again. And then he does the match with Caster, which again, good match, but relatively safe match, all things considered. You see him get booked against Suzuki, and I didn't think they were going full on Joe Kabashi but you got expectations when you're going up against Suzuki. You know what to expect for that. You know you're going to get a hard-hitting affair. And bless Samoa Joe, he hung in there and went strike for strike, chop for chop with him. And it showed, yes, Samoa Joe, he's back. He's ready to jump right in and have these matches again. And, I mean, he said it. Like, his health is good. The time off probably did him a lot of good, not not taking these uh, blows every single week, not being on the road every single week to do this stuff. And – Look, Samoa Joe's back. If there are any doubts, I think all the doubts were erased after last night against uh, against Suzuki. Yeah, I completely agree. And I apologize, y'all, if you're hearing a little bit of background noise. There's like landscapers that are just just happen to be right outside my window right now. Um, so hopefully, it isn't too loud or too annoying. They should be gone any second. But um, but yeah, I I mean, well, well, so the match itself, yeah. They, they they nailed it and Joe winning the title and and yeah high, there's definitely high expectations for a match like that and I think they totally delivered and then do you want to get into what happened after the match because I feel like more people wind up talking about that than the match itself and that that isn't a good thing unfortunately no so after the match there's lethal and, and dut and lethal the big gift was flipping them off lights down lights up Satnam Singh is there uh, if you don't know Satnam Singh, he he uh, Indian born, first Indian born drafted NBA player, drafted by the Dallas Mavericks, and then he signed with AEW like last year. I think it was last August is when they announced that signing. He started training at the Nightmare Factory. He took out Joe. He's aligned with Lethal and Dutt. Uh, according to our own Fightful Zone, Will Washington, it was because of the the relationship with Discovery and Warner Media going into India and everything. They wanted to try to get a big Indian star and like. This happens, right? We saw this with Jinder Mahal. This was the big reason Jinder Mahal won the title is because they wanted WWE wanted to make inroads when it came uh, to India. And like 
Did that work? I don't know. That Jinder Mahal title reign wasn't very good. Well, let's be honest, too. The, it wasn't a big reason. It was the only reason he was. The yeah, sure. I mean, like, he went from complete jobber to champion with no build. Like, it would have been different if he, like, won some matches, won the U.S. title, like, had a little bit of a run then. But he went from fired by the company to rehired by the company, looking, like, massively more swole than when he left but it was still a jobber and then like just went from jobber to world champion. So that that's, I'm not blaming gender for these things. I'm just saying that's why it was such a failure because there was no build. You just went from jobber to champion. And it was specifically because of the network in India. I mean, we, we can, we can be real about that. I think everybody understands that's what happened. Yeah. hundred so. percent. And you know, now it looks like AEW kind of do doing a similar thing with Singh. They're not going to, I don't think they're going to, they're going to put the AEW world title on him or anything, but they introduced him in a big way. Hey, Tony Khan hyped the overrun of like, you know, stick around. We're going to go a couple minutes over. They, they had a tremendous lineup, the best lineup ever, pay-per-view lineup uh, on on uh, paper, on television last night. And ending with Joe and Suzuki, which was a great match. I think it lived up to a lot of people's expectations. And they closed it with that. And it was a flat finish. It was a flat ending to that show. And I don't know how the AEW hardcores are going to react to it i do think that they'll give it a chance because AEW has earned some some good faith and earned that right of like hey let it play out uh but they're gonna have to prove that it's not gonna be this heavy heavy push just so they can go into this india market because i don't think many fans especially if this guy like can't fully go i don't think fans want to see it yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think part of what hurts it is like the whole situation from last night is when you do a lights out type thing and the lights come back on, you're expecting to know who that person is and nobody knew who that was. Yeah. And then he starts moving around. You At first you're like, that's pretty impressive. Like, that guy's huge. And then he starts moving around and you're like, this looks kind of like Omos moving around. This looks kind you know what I mean? Like, and he's doing like the head squish thing, like El Gigante and stuff. And you're just like, oh no, like, what are they doing? But, but to be fair, kind of like you said, with the whole, you know, letting it play out uh, type mindset, this also happened with the Dark Order. And they, and they were, the, the fan base completely rejected the original uh, version of the Dark Order. Um, and they listened to the fans after, you know, a few weeks of it just like not working and they completely shifted course and changed what the dark order is. And now the dark order is, you know, completely different than it was. And they're over and they get a lot of screen time on BTE and so on and so forth. And of course, Brody Lee was a huge help. Yeah, Brody Lee well. had a big part of that. Those guys, they actually had like personality and stuff. I don't know. I don't know what Sing can do. Like very limited in, what he did last night, I don't know if he can speak, if he can cut a promo. Pairing him with Jay Lethal, I ain't super excited about that because I don't have too much interest in Jay Lethal. Sanjay Dutt, I like well enough, but I don't know. Like Sanjay Dutt's not this main event guy that, that you're thinking about. Like Brody Lee took Dark Order to another level. Then they got aligned with Hangman. Hangman's Hangman. I mean, Dark Order now is just kind of like they're a fine act, but they're not really on the shows all that much or anything. Right. So. I, I don't know where Singh stands with everything. And it, they cannot afford to do this too much too soon of having him feud with a guy like Joe, who everyone loves Joe. So you have him feud with Joe, and then you're kind of pulling down Joe instead of elevating Singh. And I don't think like people don't want that. 
Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, and there, I mean, there's been other examples too in AEW, like the Nightmare Collective. Like they pulled the plug on that because it wasn't working, and like I, I don't think they're too stubborn to to back out of stuff that isn't working. Here's here's the difference though: is like they can afford to do that because okay, Dark Order is not working, Nightmare Collective is not working. They're they're all centralized in this U.S. stuff. They booked this specifically for that India market. So they have more of a reason to go with Sing here. As far as where, where sure. Dark Order, Nightmare Collective, it was just like, ah, oh, this isn't working for American television. Let's just put a different American television act in that place and, and figure it out from there. They're trying to appeal to an India market. They don't have another India player that can just jump in there and fill that role. And that's where it can be tricky of if this isn't working, do they pull the plug on it? because they're trying to appeal to one demographic that they have nobody else who can fill that demographic. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, and that is going to be interesting to see, to see how this does play out. Um, and also I said this before. So I said this when Cody left the company and I'm just going to throw it out there. If y'all start seeing like massive changes to certain things you liked about AEW, just keep in mind that Cody's not there anymore. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I think he was doing more backstage to, to help the product than what people understand. And if we start getting more stuff that seems kind of weird and not, not what you would were used to seeing in AEW, I'm not saying that Cody's the reason this or that. I'm, all I'm saying is I just have my eye on that kind of stuff where I'm like, if some of this stuff starts getting goofy or isn't working. Like it just kind of the timing of, of it and all, but the, you know, but this, to be fair too, and this has nothing to do with like the India market, but like Jade Cargill was kind of in a similar position, like not much experience yeah. thrown right into the fire. Uh, but she's she, in a sink or swim situation and she's swimming. Um, when it comes to sing, I just, I don't know enough about him. I know he trains at the nightmare factory. I know Baron black has vouched for him and the Baron black's a guy I like a lot. Um, Shout out to, to Battle Slam coming up next Sunday. I should be there live because um, it's like the uh, like the terminus uh, kind of like sister company. But uh, but yeah, we're it's one of the things we're gonna literally have to just let it play out with Sing. Now I did have, have this question for you as an NBA fan. Do you know much about this guy or like how how he looks as far as like an athlete and stuff? He he never played in the league. Like he got uh, drafted, but he never got like game time or anything. So it's it's very tough. I I've never seen like highlights of him or anything. I'm not like a big draft guy, so I didn't really like watch. Only got drafted second round, like late second round. It's not like he was you know a, a, a top ten pick or anything like that. So I can't say like I've seen him like do anything in the NBA. So I I really I don't know. Your point about Jade Cargill is good though because you know fans can be worried about her and her first presence on screen nobody knew who she was it, it was in an empty arena so that didn't help anything out either uh nobody knew who she was but she she did well in the the promo with cody and then brandy and then the first match was some smoke and mirror stuff but she was in there uh with 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 a pro like cody and and, and Shaq. and it was just the way they booked that 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 match it was gonna be to to kind of highlight her and also protect her and yeah she's had some sink or swim moments for the most part she has sweat now, you know, is Sing going to be the same way? We don't know. But a person like Jake Cargill is where you can point to of like, this is why they've earned that to like be able to do this. Like, and, and so it, that's who you have to point to and that hope it works out of, hey, 
it worked out for Jade Cargill. Let's give it a chance with Singh. And if it doesn't work out, you know, will they pull the plug? Yeah, I think they'll have a tougher time pulling the plug on this than they did with, with Dark Dark Order because of the India factor. Yeah, well, and one more thing I want to throw out about the whole India factor with this is I, I get Singh, because, like, I get Singh being the guy they've chosen because of his size. I mean, if he, I've been saying the same thing about Omos, to be fair. Like I said, if Omos can wrestle really at all, the WWE will probably make him the WWE champion or universal champion, whatever WWE universally undisputed, whatever, whatever the main title is like, he'll probably eventually get that title belt because of his size. And he can move somewhat competently. I, I compare it to the great colleague where I'm like, the great colleague could barely move and he could barely speak and speak English, you know, like, in a for like a promo and they put the world title on him. So like, I think Omos is like better than the great colleague was. I'm not saying Omos is good, um, but the difference is WWE in their presentation what they do in the world of sports entertainment is different than kind of what I expect to see on AEW TV being professional wrestling where, you know, everybody in that, on that roster can go, you know, and it's like, he's going to be really, really lost and and stick out like a sore thumb. If like it's him versus guys like Samoa Joe, and he just doesn't know what he's doing. And it might make Joe look bad too, which like that, which seems impossible, but like, it might be. I don't know. Because, like, it's not like Great Kali went out there and had, like, great matches against people that were great wrestlers. Like, those – pretty much all the matches sucked, unfortunately, no matter who his opponent was. But I'll say this about the India thing. Why don't they sign Rahit Raju, Hakeem Zayn? Like, he, like he's like he's got Indian descent, and he can really go in the ring. And he's, he's a great person. on Dark, too. Like, yeah, he, exactly. He was on Dark this week, actually. And and he's 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 of Indian descent or Indian background. I know his, I think his parents were both, and I, I don't know if he's like American born, I'm not sure, but like regardless, like that's in his he's someone who you could push as your as your big uh like Indian background wrestler. And and he like I said, he can really go in the ring, he's fantastic in the ring, cuts great promos, um, still young enough that you can build uh, like a big future around him and like has good rapport with like a lot of people that already work in AEW, so like my thing is, you know, if, if you want a guy who can really who can really work and who could be a big star for you, specifically for this market, I think Rahit Raju is your guy. Um, but once again, he doesn't have the same kind of size. You know, he's a smaller guy. Um, but maybe you team that. Maybe you do Raju and Singh as like a tag team and like try to really like bust open that market or something. I, I don't know. But because the, Singh's going to need someone to help him. Unless, unless he's like way better than we realize. And like last night was just like, showing just a little bit of what he can do. But when, but when your first impression is like barely moving around and like just squeezing somebody's head, it's just not, it's hard to be optimistic, but the optimism for me comes from the the fact that I do trust AEW. And I, I, I think that if it isn't working, they will change course really fast. Like you said, the difference is they need to do this specifically for that market, but there are other Indian wrestlers that they can get that I think could probably do this a lot better if this guy isn't working out. I think Jay Lethal is going to be there as the the workhorse of the group, similar to to Styles uh, and his pairing with Omos. Is Jay Lethal is going to do the brunt of the work, and then the big the big guy is going to be big and and do his thing from there. Drew says it's quite WWE esque, and it kind of is. I uh, the the way they did the debut. The fact that we just don't know much about Singh and we don't know how good he is, and usually when AEW kind of like does this stuff, they're they're bringing in people like you said, like when you do the lights down gimmick, when the lights come up, it's somebody you typically know and you get the big reaction. 
uh, Ricardo says, Ricardo the black guy, uh, says the crowd chanting, we don't know you. Yeah, not a good not a good impression, especially after that show. Like, that's not the lasting impression you want on this show. Do I think this is going to kill the territory or kill the market or anything? Absolutely not. Like, they're, they're going to do, I'm sure they'll do close to a million viewers, if not over a million viewers, when the ratings come out in an hour and a half. I'm sure next week they'll, they'll do the similar ratings and everything. I don't think it's going to kill anything because AW has their core fan base that is going to stick there. If it helps them get into India without sacrificing any of that, great. The risk is... You cannot sacrifice and you cannot alienate your other fan, uh, your hardcore fan base. I don't think they will because they have enough other good stuff on the show to where those fans probably aren't going anywhere. But like I said, you've got to, this cannot drag down Joe, who fans love and who just had, you know, he's coming off this big return now, just had this great match with Suzuki. It's got to elevate Sing in some way. I don't need to see Samoa Joe bumping around for this big dude who can barely move and it, it hurting everything. It's just, it's not great. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the best first impression, especially after the, the high of Joe and Suzuki. I'll give it a chance. I'll see what the, the plan is. They might even have him wrestle for, for like months. It might just be a thing of like, he's there with Sanjay and lethal lethal's doing the bulk of the wrestling. Maybe he squashes a dude on dark, things like that, but he's just has enough of a television presence to be like, Hey, we got this big Indian star. We're, pad his record be like he's 30 and 0 because he's beating people on dark all the time and he's showing up on dynamite every now and again like just do something like that and it might be okay we'll we'll see how it goes yeah yeah once again this is just this is like a non-ironic like we have to like legit let this play out before we make like too many judgments but i also will say it's not it's 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 not an optimistic look when the the head the head smush thing really bothers me and the reason the reason is because if you gotta smush his fucking head you can't just have like a very loose grip look at all this no 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 no. i'm not saying the the, i'm not saying the technique i'm saying the i'm saying when he's doing that instead of like a choke slam or a power bomb or something like when you're that size all you gotta do is lift someone up in the air and drop them and it's like impressive and looks like a finisher this is like is he smooshing people's heads because he because he can't competently do a power bomb or a choke slam or something like that's that's concerning when when he threw joe against the ring steps on the outside he barely moved his arms and joe just like dove head first into the stairs and i was like this guy's not doing any like he's barely like he, this guy is literally barely moving um so so yeah i but once again there's just there's just really we're gonna have to let it play out but it it, it, it wasn't and that's another thing too. Like, if this guy goes over, like if this guy beats Samoa Joe, then like there's some there's some real potential issues there, you know. So like I, I mean, we I, I hate saying it over and over, but this is one where we have to like legitimately like let it play out. But I like I said, if if it's not working, I think that I think that they will pull the plug or pivot. I mean, similar to kind of the Anthony Agogo thing, like it wasn't really working. That has nothing to do with Cody, by the way. He like. People it's blame Cody. Defender. People, well, people blame Cody for yeah. Anthony Agogo's misfortunes, and it's yeah. like, no, the guy just isn't very good at professional wrestling. Like, he might get good over time, but he's not. He wasn't ready at that point to to go over someone like Cody in, in a match. It just wasn't. It, 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 this it is been. this is where they totally miss Cody. Cody would love to be doing this angle with this 
big this big Indian dude, he'd love this shit right here. He'd cure racism yep. in India as well. <laughs> well, great. This comment is the best right here. Thank you, uh, Eric, for sending this comment. It says, uh, Singh is like the love child of Veer and Great Kali. No, no, no. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, Eric, but the, the love child already exists. His name is Shanky. True, true. Uh, Vance and Blade says, Give me Jake something and Rohit, Tony, do it. I get that on like an episode of dark or something those i mean yeah jake something being a free agent right now he'll he'll, he'll wind up somewhere because with his size and his athleticism like he's one of those guys i'd still feel confident in, even if we went to like wwe because like i think he would still do well in that system like jake, jake something will work in any system anywhere and he's still young enough too to where like he's got a really bright future are guys this big like typically good i mean you like you look at kali Almost kind of jury still out on Paul White was was good early on, and then like he he kind of got the the Hogan on there. It's like, look, man, you only got to do so much as this big dude. Let everybody just kind of bump around for you. But he's like bigger than the Paul White was. Like, I don't know what we're like fully expecting from these guys because they're big dudes and like they are massively big dude. It's like there's a difference between the size of this dude and the size of the Undertaker. Like he's bigger than even like the Undertaker and stuff. You can only do so much when you're that big of a guy. I don't know what expectations are, but because you can only do so much and because AEW style is so like fast paced, in ring heavy kind of stuff, I think he's just already at a disadvantage from that. Well, it isn't just in pro wrestling. I mean, you even see it at the highest level of like NBA basketball, guys like Sean Bradley and stuff, were like, you know, he, taller than like exceptionally tall in a world of really really tall people a guy like sean bradley but like the coordination like sometimes gets lost because of the size Boban. and stuff huh boba right. boba and marjanovic uh, uh he's, he's a big him. dude in the nba now he was he's he might still be in the league i love boba in nba 2k because like he is just so big and you just post up people and you get easy baskets and stuff <laughs> but yeah you you want to have like like joel Embiid's a big guy but there's even sizes above him and joel Embiid's one, one of the best player nikolai jokic uh, another the mvp of the league fuck off sv3 uh like he he's a very big guy but like he's he's really really good but there are guys who are like bigger than him who kind of like you said like they're just not as coordinated and even in a land of big guys these guys standing above them and they're just not as talented as guys who are a little bit shorter kind of like your undertakers and your canes who were in their prime pretty talented wrestlers well even if you have a guy like yao ming who is talented a lot of the time they can yeah. be injury prone so like you know it's just you know it's it's, it's a it's a gigantic gamble you know there there are for every paul white there's it seems like there's a hundred great colleagues like in that same kind of position where because people tend to forget when the giant paul white debuted in, in wcw back in like 1995 that dude was doing stuff off the top rope he could do moonsaults he can do drop kicks like i mean he I mean, it, Hulk Hogan pulled a really, a really early on. Hulk Hogan pulled a uh, "That's not going to work for me, brother." On a lot of that stuff, um, he's like, but "Yeah, I that's where you're doing a leg drop when you're doing a moonsault off the top rope." Too. Right. That, that's where he's like, "Look, man, you're you're this size. You don't need to be doing like moonsaults and and missile drop kicks off the top rope. All right, like just stay grounded and." I'll work around you. And, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Bad Company Bill says Taco Fall. Problem is that, yeah, like just because you are exceptionally tall does not mean you are like the most talented person in the world. And typically it's the opposite is like your thing is just kind of Vince when Blaze says it like 
if you just am tall, you're, you're not usually that good. And I think that's where Singh might end up falling. And yet I think that's a turnoff for this fan base who just watches a bunch of great wrestling and doesn't want to see like, okay, cool. This guy's tall and squishes heads. It doesn't bring anything else. Give me my five-star matches. I mean, but just, just watch like next week after all this talk, the dude goes out there and hits like a perfect six, one, nine. And like, a shooting star press or something different. It's like, if this motherfucker does a six, one, (laughs) nine and a shooting star press, I don't, I don't know what I have here to like eat or something. Here's a crayon. I'll eat this crayon. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll eat, eat a crayon. Behind me. I'll, I'll eat my Brody Lee action figure. <laughs> I'll eat this crayon if, if he does. I'll be at the show next week too. If okay. I see him do a 619, Tony watches this show. He's going to book it just so he's like, look, I don't care how goofy it looks. Just do this 619 so I can watch this jerk who writes these headlines eat a crayon for my own entertainment. That'd be That's great. He'd have to start like one turnbuckle and like his legs would be at like the other turnbuckle and he like <laughs> does like the swing around. Um, but uh, but no, honestly, like it's one of those things where may- maybe the guy will go out there and impress him, but it impress us. It's just, it's hard to be optimistic about it when all we've seen him do is barely be able to move, not really throw Joe and just squeeze his head. Like that's, I don't know. And once again, the whole lights out thing, the whole hyping up the end of the show. If you're going to do all this stuff, and, and, and part of the issue ties in to next week, another big announcement from Tony Khan. Look, I'm all for big announcements in pro wrestling. You know, I, I like being surprised. I like being excited, looking forward to shows. But when, like, this is a big surprise, like what we saw last night, it kind of makes you a little more skeptical when you hear that big announcements are happening because you're like, well, is it a big announcement like uh, CM Punk returning or is it a big announcement like Sing popping up? Like, I mean, there's a pretty big... A huge announcement. Yeah, I'm going to be there. He's going to announce that I'm all elite, Jensen. That's what he's going to do. Oh, I'd mark out hard for that. He's going to 100. He's going to announce that I'm all elite. He's going to point me out in the crowd. Said Fightful's Jeremy Lambert is all elite. I'm going to come in there. He's going to he's going to do the finger point to me. He's going to he's going to do that. I'm going to give a thumbs up right there. I'm going to get a cool graphic and everything. I already got the story pre-written. Everybody, that's the huge announcement. I (laughs) am all elite. I'm going to be facing the Sing Monster at uh, Double or Nothing. That's the match. Well, Bought my ass off for him. His announcement says he found them bots. You've tremendous. He's going to bring out a bunch of that robots. They're like, I got them all right here. You know, line up and bitch smack all these robots. Oh, that's going to be so funny when he when he blames all the negative reaction to Sing on bots. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Hey, I'll, I'll tell you this right now, Tony, if you're listening. I... I love you, Tony Khan. I love AEW. It's my favorite wrestling company in the world. I'm not a bot. I thought that was weak last night. So <laughs> the show, by the way, was incredible. That was an awesome episode of Dynamite up until the last two minutes of the show. Like that yeah, when the lights episode. go out, just pretend the show ends. Exactly. Like that, that's that's the end of the show, everybody. The lights went out. That's the end of the show. End with that Joe Suzuki high. Don't watch anything after that. Uh, I mean, that was the closing match, closing segment. Jensen, your spotlight was the opening segment, opening match with CM Punk and Penta Oscuro. Yes, it was. Um, I thought that that was a damn good match. And there was a lot of chatter online about the the botch or the maybe botch, maybe sell job of the uh, the Hurricane Rana that, that Punk went for when he went for like the, the one where they were both staying on the top rope. He fell off the ropes and it did look like a botch initially. And I think it was, but Punk did such a good job. And he's such a pro 
that he he played it off like an injury and they used the knee injury throughout like the entire match. So like if it was a botch, it was covered up fantastic. Um, and I thought the match itself was awesome. And one of my big takeaways from it, to be completely honest, was how over Penta was against him because there was dueling Sarah Mado. You know, I'm not big on this whole thing 30 times in a match. I'm fine with it like once or twice. But when, when you're when you're costing yourself, when you're trying to go for package pile drivers and you got the person right where you want them, but you just can't. It's like, you ever see Key and Peele? The, yeah. the, remember, remember um, I think his name was like Hinkle McCrinkleberry. He was the dude who would like score touchdowns and do like the like the, the thrust in the end zone. <laughs> and it was a penalty if he did three of them. But like he just like couldn't help himself. So every time he'd score, he'd like do a version of it and get penalized. It's like that for Penta where it's like you got your opponent right where you want him. And you just got to get in the zero. Yeah, no. And like when you do it, your opponent reverses you. And it's like, you should just hit the move. Like, why do you feel like you need to do this over and over and over again? But I get it. The crowd's into it. The crowd does it every time. And there was dueling chance for Penta and CM Punk. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because it's like CM Punk is so over with the crowd. Like he's mega over and he's probably going to be the next AEW world champion. I think he's the one who welded the throne hangman. And and you would think that like he's so over that most people who wrestle him are just going to kind of by default be like a pseudo a pseudo heel against him or at least get booed in comparison and CM Punk was was overall more cheered i think if you were to take like a real gauge of it but Penta wasn't getting booed at all like Penta was over the crowd the crowd i think if Penta would have won the match i think it would have been a bad idea cuz i think you need to push Punk for the title but if Penta would have won, I think the crowd would have popped for it. Like they wouldn't have been like booing it out of the building. They would have been like, damn, good for Penta. Like we love Penta also. So I thought that whole match was just a giant win-win scenario for 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 CM Punk, for Penta. The only loser in this whole scenario is the nicest guy involved, Alex Abrahantes, who's got to dress up like a weird goblin or whatever outside the ring now. But but you know, he's such a nice guy. I watch all of these action figure vlogs where he's like big hunting with Ethan Page and stuff on YouTube. He seems like literally the nicest guy in pro wrestling. He just looks goofy uh, in that in that get up, in my opinion. But um, but yeah, I thought the match was great. Um, what did you feel about the match and kind of how over like both guys were and, and all everything about it? I'd say Punk being over is not like any type of surprise. Penta is a guy who just stays over. Like one, his look is great. And he does like I, I understand why you might not like the the Ciro Miedo uh thing, because when you do it in the middle of the match, yeah, it can make you look stupid. But like that's just shit. People love people just love to like chant shit. And like you if he just does that, does that, it's great. People, people are 100 percent with it. Um, so I love Penta. I've loved Penta since Lucha Underground. I think he could be hit and miss in AEW. I think Lucha Underground hid a lot of flaws of a lot of wrestlers, uh, and, and we've seen that. By the way, the that, that version of Pentagon was by far the best version of Pentagon I've ever seen. That Lucha Fucking Underground run was incredible. Yeah, he ruled. Like, when he would just break people's arms and stuff, then when I saw him do it just, like, at random indie shows and whatnot, like, he's going to be selling what the hell? Like his arm's broken. Like I don't like that he just sometimes will like do it in matches and then the guy's just fine and recovers and, and that's it. Um, but I, I think Pinta is, is great. So weird take, maybe. I'm watching this match and you know you know how Pinta like comes out with like the shovel and everything now? Mm-hmm. And all I can think about this match was remember that random Penta and Cody feud? <laughs> The other yeah. year, it was like a two-week feud, and they had that like awkward match where neither guy clicked, and Cody won, and they just like and Penta was like a heel, 
but then like became a baby face like shortly afterwards because there's a lot of like Kingston and everything. That's all that all I can think about, but I just that that thought popped into my head during this match. I was like, he's come a long way since that, where he's just having this random match against Cody, and now he's just having this great match against CM Punk. I imagine Penta will just still be like like, I imagine Penta will just be um we'll, we'll go back into the tag division once once Phoenix comes back, which it which is fine. And then once Pot comes back, uh they'll they'll do some trio stuff. But Penta has like single star talent. They just got a lot of single stars, and I don't know where he's like fully slotting in. But if he wants to slot in as like one of their one of their main players, he can easily do that. Oh, I completely agree. Um, and that's the great thing about AEW's tag division and the people involved is pretty much all of their tag teams are in that scenario where like Penta and Phoenix can also both be single stars and you have to do it by breaking up the tag teams. Like you can just have them doing tag team matches and also doing singles matches and having individual careers and shared careers. Like it's totally possible to do WWE just doesn't do it. And that's why people, people are so attached to kind of one way of seeing this stuff and, and kind of pigeonholing wrestlers in certain roles. Like Dax Harwood is one of my favorite singles wrestlers in AEW. And he's a part of arguably the best tag team in the world right now. And Cash Wheeler is very good as well. You just don't get to see him do it as often as Dax. You got guys like Max Caster can go. Anthony Bowens can go individually. I mean, there's uh, both members of top flight can go individually. Both, both Martin brothers. Like there's, there's, so I, I completely agree about all this stuff. Like you, you Jurassic Express. I mean, that's another good example. Two guys who can have singles careers. Red Dragon, two guys who can have singles careers. Like there's, they're all great wrestlers and they're all very versatile and can do singles and tag team stuff. And Penta has the added bonus of having single success in companies like Impact being their world champion, being the Lucha Underground world champion. Um, all the indie stuff that he's done, all the stuff he's done internationally. Like he's in the, everything I say about Penta, I would echo for Phoenix. I actually think Phoenix is a better in-ring wrestler, but I think Penta is more interesting character, if that makes right. sense. So no, I, I come, I'm completely with you that Penta as a character and as a singles guy, I think he has more potential uh, as, as an overall package than Phoenix. I'd rather watch Phoenix wrestle. I think he could do a little bit more with Penta from, from a character standpoint um but i mean cm punk wins and i i agree with you on your other point is that like looks like he's next in line for this title they're gonna get past hangman and cole on friday i imagine that'll end that when uh hangman wins the the texas death match and then from there he'll need a challenger cm punk in their their fake rankings that they released was like number four or five penta was like right uh, ahead of him so now punk can jump him cole will move down Punk has got the the resume from the ranking standpoint. He's obviously got the resume from just quality of victories and for just being CM fucking Punk. Uh, so I imagine he will be next for for Hangman Page. Yeah, and I like I've said before, and a lot of people because I've had people pull old clips from me, not even that old. Well, to be honest, we're talking just within the last probably six months or so. Um, my my opinion of CM Punk's return to wrestling has like completely 180. Like I I was very harsh on his UFC run as as I think I should have been. Like those are two different worlds. And part of it was I got clowned so bad in the MMA community for backing CM Punk when he was fighting the UFC because I was the, I was the only guy in those circles that was like marking out for cult of personality for his walkout and like thinking he actually had a shot against guys like Mickey Gall and Michael Jackson and stuff. And I just got clowned so hard during it that I was just like, you know what? Screw this guy. Like this guy's terrible. Like I'm not kidding. I'm not supporting this anymore. 
And so when he came back to wrestling, I was like, I hope he doesn't implement too much of the MMA stuff because it looked really bad when he really fought actual fighters and and all that. But like this run has been fantastic. Like yeah. this is he is I the just so the whole some speedball. There we go. What's what happened? Oh, uh, your connection dropped out for a second. Go okay, God, I'm I'm hardwired into my my router, <laughs> so like there should be no. But but uh, but yeah, I it's it just I, the reason I bring this up without getting all into my thoughts on CM Punk historically and everything is the fact that I am sitting here going CM Punk should be the next AEW World Champion, and I think it means a lot because it's like this guy 180 my like when he came back to wrestling, I was like it's cool that he's back. He'll get a big pop. But in a company like AEW, he's going to get lost in the mix because, like, there's so much talent on that roster that are younger, hungrier, haven't been to the top and want to get to the top, can have all these crazy matches. And CM Punk completely proved me wrong. Like, like I thought he would be good, but he is fantastic in this run. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, CM Punk is hitting on all cylinders. He is honestly... From like a character perspective, I feel like he's the most believable guy on the entire show. From just the just the story of like the older guy who's a veteran who who like when he came in, I think a lot of people expected him just to squash people like Lee Moriarty and squash everybody he kind of wrestled because he's such a big star. But I think it's helped him so much watching him get his feet wet and and struggle against guys that like are kind of up and coming and then have competitive matches against all these people who. I think the fan base would have perceived to be lower, lower ranking stars than CM Punk. And he just keeps going out there week after week after week, whether it's a guy, the star power of an Eddie Kingston or a Penta, or, you know, going one-on-one with Dax Harwood, who's more known as a, as a, as a tag team wrestler. Like he is nailing it every single time. So I got to give massive props to CM Punk for what he's doing. And I love Hangman Page, but I think CM Punk is is the better choice at the current moment to be the AEW World Champion. I hope that he's the one who beats him. And then, by the way, we have the potential eventually of a whole new lease on life on this whole thing if and when CM Punk turns heel. Like, there's there's a whole other side of this we haven't even touched yet. So, good good for CM Punk. I mean, I'm I'm really really happy he he's back in AEW and and that he's uh that he's doing what he's doing. I'm I'm a, I've become a massive fan again of what of what he does. CM Punk's now number two fan because I think Jensen has just uh, replaced her. Kate Hensler says Jensen a bot confirmed. Love you both. <laughs> hey, Kate. Okay. And Jensen has replaced you with CM Punk's number one fan. Hope you're taking that. <laughs> I remember talking to her on Twitter a little bit before he returned because I was really I was really adamant about like I don't want to see Anaconda Vices. I don't want to see spinning heel. I don't want to see uh, see spinning back fists. I don't want to see running knee strikes because when we saw him actually fight people in the UFC, like I know he can't do that to people who fight back i just i've seen it but it's worked fucking great in AEW. like i like he's in yeah anyway i've changed my mind on cm punk and that's the thing about me that i it's a trait about me that i think is and somewhat of an admirable trait or something that I, i'm proud of myself for is i will change my mind like if you give me reason to change my mind i'm open-minded enough to see both sides of all these scenarios and if somebody does something i like i'm not like married to one side or the other when it comes to anything like so cm punk like what he's done i he has completely changed my mind so i yeah i'm all about what they do with cm punk right now uh ricardo says penta can be slotted anywhere on the card and that's pretty much true you can't put that guy anywhere yep. and he's gonna make it work he's over 
the man, the man is over. And yeah, CM Punk, I was a little hesitant, not on like the return overall, but when he first started, I just want I know what a great storyteller CM Punk is from, from all the years of watching him and everything. And so when he first started, I was like, all right, just give me the, the meat of CM Punk here. That sounded very, very bad. Uh, but, but give me something with some meat on the bone when it comes to CM Punk. And that didn't really pick up until the Eddie Kingston stuff. Since the Eddie Kingston stuff, it's been, it's been just great, great shit from CM Punk. And, and the MJF stuff is like, arguably, it's some of the best stuff I've ever seen in the history of pro wrestling, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, this is next level stuff. So, yes, good, very, very, very good opener between CM Punk and Penta. Really, really, really good stuff. And now for something completely different. <laughs> Mad Cat Moss. Let's go. Jensen, ex- explain this. This is your spotlight. It is. Go. And I saw people in the chat. They're like, Steven Spotlight isn't Cody. I can't choose Cody every week, y'all. Um, we'll talk about Cody and Rollins rematch when we get closer to Backlash, though. Or WrestleMania, WrestleMania Backlash. backlash. My, yes. my, my, my bad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I watched Raw and SmackDown this week. Um, sorry, this the past week. I watched Cody's... Uh, I watched Miz TV and I watched Cody versus The Miz on Raw. I didn't watch anything else from this past Monday. But this past Friday, um, I thought SmackDown felt more like the Raw after WrestleMania than Raw did in a lot of ways. Um, I thought it was a really good show. I was very entertained by SmackDown, if I'm being completely honest. I thought it was a good show. Um, and one thing that really stood out to me was Mad Cat Moss. And the reason that I wanted to bring him up as my spotlight today is because, for one, I really started getting behind that guy for when he was in Raw Underground. Like, I thought he was one of the very few guys that they actually tried to do something with to push in that scenario. Like, there was him, there was Arturo Huas, um, there was Dabakato. Um, Huas isn't in the company anymore. Dabakato is now uh, Commander Aziz, and he's essentially a jobber uh, with Apollo Crews. Like, um, and those are really the only guys I feel like that were like really pushed within Raw Underground to potentially maybe do something on Raw or SmackDown eventually. I was familiar with, with Moss as Riddick Moss from NXT as well as like an enhancement guy there for years. Um, I've heard stories from other wrestlers that have, have trained with him at, in the Performance Center that have told me that this guy is like the best athlete they've like ever seen. It's just a matter of like getting him an opportunity apparently when they do like the combine type stuff he just like blows everyone out of the water when it comes to all the all the metrics and statistics you want out of like nfl athletes like madcap moss is apparently like the most athletic guy a lot of these guys have, have ever been around um all that to say i don't understand i i didn't really understand the madcap character or the or why he was associated with baron corbin because i've been a bit out of the loop but once I started hearing like the jokes he was telling, like the dad joke type stuff, and I was like, this is corny, but like he's owning it. Like this guy's owning this character. Yeah. Like I saw him, uh, he was on like a talk show with like McAfee or something. And they were just asking him to like off the top of the head to come up with jokes like that. And he had like a bunch of them just like in the barrel. Like he's pretty professional. He's, he's memorized like hundreds of these dad jokes. Um, the guy looks like a million bucks. He looks like a pro wrestler. He moves like a pro wrestler. He moves like an athlete. Um, I think that him turning heel, or sorry, turning babyface with this whole Baron Corbin thing, and I know he recently won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which you know doesn't really mean it's anything at the end of the day. But 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 you know the company cares at least to some degree that they had him win that match. I I, I get it. The 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 Uso brother that won it the other year it didn't go anywhere and. 
Uh, didn't really do anything for, for pretty much anyone who's won this thing. I get that. But it, it, to me, it means they have him in mind. At the very least, they're like, okay, we can choose 30 people, whatever. We're going to go with him for whatever reason. I honestly think that Madcap Moss is a baby face if, if used the right way, especially if he beats Corbin in this feud, especially if he, you know, clean, just straight up beats him. I think Madcap Moss could potentially be one of the top stars in WWE. I honestly believe that. Um, and that and that's that's why I'm saying it. Like I see Joel Pearl always on Twitter talking about Madcap Moss for Intercontinental Champion. I think you're thinking too small. I think Madcap Moss could potentially be the world champion. It's gonna be a while, but I honestly think between his look, his athleticism, his character, how funny he actually can be, good on the microphone, good looking dude. I I honestly, I honestly think that he's going to be a top star in WWE. I can't tell if you're doing a bit or if you are serious. The like, give me your thoughts, I can't your thoughts tell, on Moss. I mean, please don't spoil if it is a bit because you're selling this so good that I'm, I'm all in on your belief in him. I actually don't have many bad things to say about Bad Cat Moss uh, because, like, you mentioned the, his athleticism. Like, he is a freak athlete. Like, he had oh, the by the way, I missed – he landed on his fucking neck the other week, yeah. too, and just no-sold it. Like, yeah. I mean – guy's tough as hell he, he is a freak athlete uh he had an achilles injury and came back in like six months or something like it, it's insane uh kate said that um Heyman is a big madcap moss guy according to sean ross Sapp. you don't have to listen to sean ross Sapp. like fuck him by the way uh you can just listen to paul Heyman. paul Heyman has said in interviews how big of a fan he is of madcap moss and believing that madcap moss is like this big star oh i'm gonna pull up a Heyman quote of how much he just loves Madcap Moss because he he always puts him over as like one of these big future stars. So you can just listen to Heyman talk about it like that. Uh, people do like him, and I will give him a lot of credit. Of here we go, Paul Heyman. I don't think we've seen the best from Charlotte Flair. Riddick Moss will be a star. This was February 2020, so this year he is saying Riddick Moss is going to be a February star. February 2020. Yeah. 2022. Sorry, sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm terrible with numbers and years. And to all be that fair, stuff. 2021 through 2022 pretty much seems like one year because of the it's pandemic all and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a blur. Uh, so so here's what he says about Riddick Moss. Uh, after his initiation with the audience, demonstrates just how capable he is. Riddick Moss is going to be a star. I don't think anyone has a clue with just how capable he is. He's demonstrated that he can walk into any personality that he has signed at the moment. When Riddick Moss has the emergence out of his shell and into his next incarnation, the same way the big dog elevated his game and evolved into the trial, tribal chief, Riddick Moss's next iteration in the WWE, there will be no stopping him. He's a main eventer. Paul Heyman's words, all right? So you don't got to listen to the scoopster Sean Ross Sapp say that Heyman is a fan. You can listen to Heyman say Heyman is a fan. And I will I will say similar things about Matt Cat Moss. I don't know how good he can be, but he does throw himself into these terrible gimmicks. The Madcap Moss gimmick should not work. It should be god-awful. He gave it his all in it. Fans got behind him as a heel. Um, and it, it worked for him. Like, and now, like, he got a good reaction. That was not a piped-in reaction when he turned on uh, Happy Corbin, either. Look, if Madcap Moss is your next main event star, sure. I don't see him as that guy but in the wwe world i can see him as that guy all right so fuck it madcap moss for wwe undisputed world heavyweight universal champion yes and it's gonna be over time it's not like he's gonna be the champion 
next month or something. But I think it like, should. We're thinking too small now, Jensen. Put the title on him next month. Hey, I wouldn't even have a problem with that, to be completely honest. I mean, like, I mean, here's the thing. They need they need people for Roman that are fresh. And they do. you know, whether he beats Roman or not, just getting him in the ring with Roman would help him tremendously, per- perception wise. And by the way, just for what it's worth. I, I like that you can't tell if I'm being sin- sincere or meta-ironic. Like, I, li- I like that I'm living in that world where you can't tell if I'm joking or not. Because I know you don't have, like, super strong takes on WWE. Like, the fact that you, like, have a take. And it's a believable take. Like, in the WWE world, I can see this guy being heavyweight champion. But, yes, I don't know if you're being uh, ironic with it or not, which is great. I love it. It, it, it pops me. And, again, I'm not even going to disagree with it. Because in the WWE world, they clearly like this guy. He can clearly do a lot of things for them. If he wins the title, sure, why not? He got a reaction on Friday, all right? I didn't expect him to get that kind of reaction because this stuff is like seemingly died to death. But Corbin is such a hated heel that just attacking him. And maybe it was a, thank God this stupid, stupid gimmick is done with. What's pop for that? I don't know, but regardless. It, it got a it got a reaction. So Madcap, he should win it on should win it on Friday. Roman's not doing anything on Friday. Just put the belt on him on Friday, okay? Well, I mean, at the very least, get get him in a mid card title mix like soon. You know, like but like well, I said, Gender's I, gonna win that title tomorrow, and then he's gonna need somebody to feud with. He can feud with Madcap. Yeah, well, you gotta get Madcap and and Happy Corbin first, right? Like that's gotta be like they gotta. But Madcap should really go over Corbin. I really strongly believe yes. that. Um, and uh, do you want to know my real feelings on Madcap Moss? No, no, no. I want that. I wanted to keep it at this. I, I was about to say I'm, I might have just given them to you. I might have been being sincere that whole time. I honestly, I, li- I like living in that in that space of like not knowing. Don't break kayfabe. Don't don't yeah. don't be like the yeah. Undertaker and do 15 million shoot interviews where you just break kayfabe. <laughs> I just ruined time. my whole perception of uh, the fans just completely 180 on how they feel about me because I start yeah. talking about how I actually feel about stuff. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah, no, but but on like honestly, like I I I, I was very impressed with like the re- the reception that the crowd gave Madcap when when that split was happening on SmackDown. Like they they're they seem like they're behind him, so go with it. Shout out to Gisberto Guzzo, who does news for us, who at the beginning of the year decided, I'm going to start a thread or start a post with every Madcap Moss joke told on WWE TV this year. And he's done it. You can you can find that on Fightful. Just, wow. just search every Madcap Moss joke. And Gisberto has tracked every single one that he has told on WWE TV. That's Just pretty. I mean, that's awful, that's commitments. That that that's the kind of uh, high quality um, uh, content that you're going to get here at Fightful. So. High quality content and journalism that we bring here at Fightful. My WWE spotlight is also from SmackDown. It's Gunther. Gunther is on SmackDown with not Marcel Barthel. It is Ludwig Kaiser, who I completely forgot his name earlier this week. Uh, Jensen knew it. Uh, speedball question us and i was like i don't remember uh but it is it is ludwig walter gunther is here he squashed some guy on friday i don't have high hopes for this main roster run nothing has given i'll read one after we get through the wwe spotlight um nothing has given me any type of faith that they are going to book this man it with any 
any type of care past the couple of squash matches and stuff. To me, he feels like just another bear cat where it's like, all right, we kind of repackaged him as Gunther. Now we'll give him some squash matches. And then a month from now, we'll just like kind of forgot he existed. It feels very Miro Aiden English esque with how they're doing this. And that's not a complete knock that act got over on its own, but it only had so much of a shelf life because it got over on its own. Gunther got no reaction. He got Walter chance. Pat McAfee attempted to be like, Oh, they're chanting for Gunther. And when they were really chanted for Walter, uh, I don't have high hopes for this. And it's a shame because Walter has given me some of my favorite WWE television matches, uh, really just WWE matches over the past handful of years while he's been in NXT and NXT UK. What do you think of Gunther Walter and on the main roster? So the first thing I noticed was that he's slimmed down quite a bit since the last time I had seen him. And I, I get that. And I also don't like it. Like I understand the idea of like getting in better shape, especially because I'm, I'm assuming it probably came from the top down. There's probably Vince going, this guy looks kind of chunky. Tell him to lose a little bit of weight, but that's what I think made him a more intimidating presence was that he was a kind of a thick dude. Like now he just kind of looks like just kind of, because the other thing with Walter or Gunther is that he, he looks incredibly generic as just a human being. Like he just like, you know, he's tall, but he's not like super tall. Like he's, he's tall, but he's not like a giant, if that makes sense. Um, so now he just kind of looks like just a regular guy who's just like taller than your average guy. Um, one thing that I'm very interested in is, I, and it, trust me, I know the history of Walter and the, I, I mean, if y'all want to watch some hard hitting stuff, like watch him and PCO from Janela Spring Break from years ago. And like, there's there the, anything he did in NXT UK. I thought his, his two matches with Dragunov especially were like fantastic. Yes. Probably the two best WWE matches over the last couple of years. Um but I am very interested to see how it goes when he's slapping people like a Roman Reigns or a Brock Lesnar like that. Because if he winds up ever getting into the ring with one of those guys, Brock Lesnar's going to beat the shit out of him. If if Gunther hits him like that, Brock's going to go, oh, okay. Like, okay, you want to hit me like that? You want to hit, like, that That might fly against jobbers. That's, I'm going to, I'm going to clean your clock. Like. We saw what happened when Strowman messed up a couple times against Brock and he just punched him square in the head, he yelled, <laughs> slow down. You know, it, so I, did, I don't think that Gunther's going to be able to, to be able to fully be Gunther on or be Walter, whatever, on SmackDown after a certain point because I just don't. I think part of what makes him so special is how hard he hits people. But you're going to get to a certain level of star, I think, in the WWE that's not going to want to get hit like that, and they're going to they're going to dish it back, and I think it's going to be a problem. As far as his presentation, I think he's going to wind up being a tag team guy. I think they'll eventually turn this into him and Ludwig as a tag team, and I feel bad for uh, for Eichner because he got squeezed out for like no reason out of this out of Imperium, um, and he's a very talented in ring guy too. Um, but I think it'll wind up being more of a tag team thing with, with Ludwig and Gunther and, uh, Ludwig will be more of like the, the guy who talks and takes a lot of the bumps and Gunther will be more of like the cleanup dude who comes in, gets, gets the hot tag, beats people up and like actually gets the wins for the team. Um, it's hard to know exactly where it's all going to head until that, that is another one of those, like we got to let it play out type things, but. I, I don't I, I hate to say it I don't think Gunther is going to do very well on the main roster. Uh, we we I remember he was a part of like the Survivor Series match a few years ago. He he, very quickly, right away. 
like right away. And and I think that Vince, that's how he sees a guy like him is he'll give him a few weeks, maybe a few months of like somewhat of a push. But once he gets into the realm of like the upper mid card type guys, I, I, I don't think they're going to do a whole lot with him. I hope I'm wrong. Cause I think he's very talented, but uh, like I said, if they, if, if they, even if they mega pushed him and it's like him and Brock Lesnar, there's no way he's beating a Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns or anything like that. That just isn't going to happen. I'm sorry for, for anyone who thinks it might. So I think he can have some hard hitting matches with guys like Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, who they have no problem getting hit and then firing right back at all. I, he doesn't strike me as a guy as a television wrestler and a WWE television wrestler. I should say, um, he, he just does not strike me as that guy and maybe he can maybe he will surprise me maybe WWE will surprise me and they'll be able to figure something out he never struck me as that guy and then you know he signed with the company which was great and it kind of looked like they were trending in a different direction with the independent talent coming through NXT seemed like oh yeah he'll definitely fit in there but then we saw how how that went and everything he did fine in NXT 2.0 he wasn't there for very long but he also like he wrestled Braun Breaker who they, they have high hopes for, and he, he lost that match. He wrestled Roddy, who Roddy's going to wrestle kind of his matches. He's another guy that, in, in a certain environment, Roddy is going to thrive. Uh, you put these guys on Raw and SmackDown having these kind of matches. I just don't know if it's always going to work out because WWE is not as much like, hey, go out there, have this great in-ring match. It is what can your character do? What is your, you know, what is your personality? And well, they're just doesn't really have much of that his personality is he just kills people in the ring and he does have like the you know the ring general uh thing like that is a good character you could make something of that i just don't know if that's gonna like really stick on the main roster and i think that's what uh ludwig kaiser is there for is to he, he feels very aid in english of like hey this is the commander everyone check him out and everything I it doesn't seem like it has much shelf life as a main roster act. One, his in ring style. Two, this this whole presentation of him. I'm with I'm with you. I'm with Drew. Of I preferred him when he was just like bigger. Like the the aesthetic of that just looked cooler. Now he does. It just looks like a more generic person. Credit to him. He got himself in shape. He he look he looks in tremendous shape and everything. But I he stood out more when he was just a bigger person. Yeah. Well, and, and to a couple of your points, like if I'm being completely honest, I think Aiden English is the main reason that Rusev day got so over. Cause like him on the microphone really like rallied that thing. Rusev, you know, the fans were behind Rusev and they wanted him to do well. And him as Miro, I think he's done really well for himself in AEW, but people kind of tend to forget like how important Aiden English was in that formula, in my opinion. Um, and by the way, this isn't just Walter we're talking about. I, I think the, the WWE, Vince McMahon, main roster decision maker people, I think they're legitimately embarrassed by uh, NXT black and gold and NXT UK and that kind of stuff. Because, or, you know, embarrassed is the word that I use, but you you know what I mean? Because they're going to keep, this is, gonna, this is going to be a thing that keeps happening. Like they're going to keep 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Keep taking people who became popular or got over or whatever, and they're going to keep changing their names. They're going to keep changing their looks. They're, they're, um, unless it's an NXT 2.0 product. I think guys like Tony D'Angelo and Carmelo Hayes and uh, Cameron Grimes, like those kind of wrestlers, because they've already been rebranded by the WWE and, and 2.0, Braun Breaker, like those guys I think will stay as is when they make the, the jump because Vince has his hand in that cookie jar from day one pretty much in NXT now. Um, I was kind of surprised when Tommaso Ciampa was called Tommaso Ciampa on Raw. But I think it's just a matter of time before he's like Tommy or something like that. Like they'll like they'll they'll change it, I'm sure. Um, so you know, you got Butch and, and all that stuff. Like I I you know, the Butch thing's funny to me too, because they just made him like scrappy do where he just like yeah, it's real rules, angry. actually. He just gets real angry. They're like, they're like See, if you on the shoulder, like, hey man, what's going on? He's like, you're trying to fight everybody, like even his friends. If you don't realize that this is like Pete Dunn, it's such a fun gimmick. Like, I'm I'm totally behind it, but because you know that it's like it's Pete Dunn and he's really good and he can be so much more. It's like, oh, this kind of sucks. I just learned how to be like, ah, you know what? This is a completely new person. And I'm kind of that way with Gunther. I just don't think it, it I just don't think this is a, a gimmick that's just gonna stand out as far as what Vince typically goes for. I just don't think it's yeah. gonna work. I agree. I totally agree. I I, I don't think it's gonna it's it's unfortunate because Walter is super talented. Um he was probably the most sought after free agent, like at the time that he yeah. signed with the WWE. And, uh, and yeah, I know that not a lot of people pay attention to NXT UK, but like, there's a lot of really good in-ring wrestling that happens on that show. They have a lot of talent over there, but like, it's hard to know that if you don't watch it, because by the time you see someone like Piper Nevin, they're repackaged the do drop and they get rid of their whole history. And you just, you know, and, and I, I, I really fear for guys like Ilya Dragunov and Tyler Bate, who are, I think are ultra talented wrestlers that I think are just gonna, like, this is the biggest thing, like, this is as good as gonna, is it's gonna get, like, right now, is, like, what they're doing right now, currently, probably, because if, once again, they wind up on Raw or SmackDown, Tyler Bate's gonna wind up being, like, I don't know, Johnny or something, just some, some random name, and, like, like in the old, and, and part of it too is like I almost feel like WWE is like so embarrassed by like their own developmental process that they just don't want people even like googling these names. Like they're like, no, don't Google, uh, don't Google Pete Dunn because like then you'll know about like his NXT UK run and all that stuff. Like, but if you Google Butch, like maybe you think it's like a brand new guy because like you never you never watched any of the other stuff. Like it's just it's just weird. It's weird when you're when it's all one company and it's so disconnected from brand to brand. 
it, it's disconnected and it's way too connected in certain ways. Raw and SmackDown, there's no point in a brand split. Like it's it's basically just one roster, and they just try yeah. to pull the wool over the fans' eyes who just are hanging on to the idea that the brand split's a good idea and the brand split's a real thing. It isn't, but Raw and SmackDown are pretty much the same thing. But there's a massive disconnect between what's going on in NXT UK, NXT level up, all this stuff between those things and Raw and SmackDown. There's a massive disconnect, and uh, it's weird because it's all one company. So, I mean, they're trying to end the brand split as is. It feels like with Roman's got the two world titles now, he wants the Usos to get the two tag titles. They're going to try it. This brand split is going to continue to just slowly just diminish until October when they got to pop a rating for the draft episodes. Uh, Ricardo says, Walter is the perfect gift wrap superstar. Shake my damn head. And not, in, not in WWE land. Not in WWE land. All right. I'm going to read a Mad Cat Moss joke. Are you ready? I am. Are, are you ready? Okay. What does Drew McIntyre's bad neck have in common with a popular breakfast cereal? Oh, is it Snap, Crackle, Pop? It is. They both go Snap, Crackle, Pop. I mean, that was easy. I, I Even I got that one without any trouble. What, give me one more. Maybe, maybe make it a little more challenging. Okay. Um, it's all just like... It's all Drew that. <laughs> it's, all- it's all Drew McIntyre talks because, uh, you know, that's who he's, uh, he's been feuding with. What do you call an episode of Happy Talk that puts everyone to sleep? drew mcintyre nappy talk nappy talk oh okay good got me okay yeah we can move on from this power driver finisher what do you call drew mcintyre without his claymore i don't know is this a real joke or is he just uh oh that oh power driver said that in the chat uh yeah drew mcintyre without his claymore um one man band yeah i don't know if this was a real joke or if he's just coming up with this one yeah playlist that even a thing? <laughs> playlist. <laughs> hey there you go pop jeremy pop the shit out of me i put it on screen <laughs> he actually said this one oh, okay i didn't i <laughs> see madcap lost for world champion see I don't know why I doubted Madcap Moss. I'm all in on it. I'm all in on it. Hell yeah. That joke ruled. <laughs> Man, you really like that. <laughs> yeah. They're so stupid. They're so stupid. But those stupid jokes like that will always pop me. Honestly, they will. Oh, all right. We're going to head to the other spotlight. Your other spotlight this week, Stephen Jensen. Chris Dickinson has signed with New Japan. Thoughts on it? Yeah, um, real good for uh, for Dickinson to do this. And he's going to be able to take indie bookings everywhere outside of, I think, I think Japan, he, it has to be exclusive to New Japan. But outside of that, he can still work GCW in the States and really everywhere else. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for it because, you know, on one hand, I thought that Dickinson was kind of being positioned to maybe be the next GCW world champion. I think the way that he's been presented and protected since coming back from his injury that like, and especially because Starboy Charlie is still injured and they were doing the eye-to-eye tag team before and stuff. Um, I thought Dickinson was kind of the next guy up. Now I'm leaning more and more towards something that me and you had talked about before, but I'm really thinking more and more like Janela might be the guy, especially because of the tie-in with Janela leaving AEW and he can beat an AEW star for the GCW world title if he beats John Moxley. They have the history with the lights out match and all that stuff. Um 
So I'm thinking more and more now Janela. Now if Dickinson's going to be doing more New Japan. That said, that doesn't mean he can't be the GCW World Champion. Dickinson could still win that GCW World title. I mean, if John Moxley can be the World Champion, hardly ever be on the show and continue to work other places, I'm sure Dickinson could as well. Um, but I do think GCW needs to go the direction very soon of having a World Champion who's there at every show that defends the title on every show. Like Nick Gage's first run with the title, his two-year-long run, um, he defended that title on like every GCW show. It was like, you know, and then his second run, he was hardly there and Mox is hardly there. And um, I, I, by the way, I think it's, I'm, I'm nothing against John Moxley being the GCW world champion. If you have access to that guy, I have no problem. It's John Moxley. But like, you got to start thinking about who is going to be the next guy to, to hold that belt and to put the company on their back. And I think Janela is probably the right choice at this point. And if not Janela, once again, I think Dickinson is a, is a great choice. So I think, and this is something that's been a long time coming for Dickinson because you know, the dirty daddy, the filthy father, the putrid papa, all this stuff. This dude was supposed to be, back in 2020, pre-pandemic, that was supposed to be his big coming out party. It was supposed to be the collective week in 2020. A lot of eyes were on him. He had a bunch of high-profile matches set up. I think they were supposed to do him and Suzuki, like even like back then. And like, I remember he had like a whole bunch of matches and the the big chatter for that week was where's Dickinson going to sign after this? Because like, it was pretty obvious he was going to get a, a contract. And then it didn't happen because the, the pandemic happened. He didn't get to have that collective weekend. And now it's two years later and he has signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's done stuff on New Japan Strong. He's done stuff with the company. He's a good fit there. He, he can wrestle strong style. He can wrestle a whole bunch of different types of ways. Uh, very, very tough, credible dude. He's going to do great with New Japan, I think. Um, and, he'll, and, you know, over in Japan, I think he'll get over big time as well. Like, they'll see him and the way that he works. And uh, he's very basic as far as, like, his presentation. He, the dick strings hanging out of his Speedo or whatever. But, like, he just wears, like, black trunks, black boots kind of stuff. But just hits you hard as hell. Um, so, uh so I'm, I'm happy for Dickinson. I, I think it's been a long time coming for him to get a contract like this. And once again, he can still wrestle GCW um, when he's not wrestling New Japan. So I think it's a win-win for uh, for the fans of uh, Chris Dickinson. And it will only make him a bigger star in the world of wrestling, in my opinion. You were very high on Dickinson winning the, the GCW title last week when we were talking about possibilities. I think well, this... Well, because I was high on AJ Gray winning and he didn't. Now I'm, yeah. now I'm scrambling to be like, if not AJ, who? That That's where that comes from, yeah. Yeah, I think this knocks it down a notch because I do think once the pandemic, I mean, in, in Japan, they're still taking every precaution necessary. Um, it did. I think Sean put out a report that uh, Japan, they're starting to secure visas to bring talent back over to Japan and everything. I, I'm with you. I think Dickinson is going to be kind of, kind of a top, one of their top guys, like not non-Japanese wrestlers over there once he's able to make that trip. And I do think he'll do multiple tours over there. So that will definitely kind of take him off the running uh, yeah. for being GCW world champion. It's good on Dickinson, especially coming off the, the leg injury he had. Uh, so now securing this contract is, is very good news um, for him. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, like they just announced his match against Tanahashi uh, for, for Philadelphia weekend. Like you ain't putting anybody in there against Tanahashi unless you kind of got some some sort of extra plans for him. So I, I think by by putting him in there against Tanahashi in the, the upcoming card, this is uh, May 15th, by the way, in, in Philadelphia. Um, you, 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 book, you get booked against Tanahashi, 
then you are probably you're probably featured in, factored in some way, whether it's New Japan Strong, which I still figure he's going to have a big presence on, or when he does go to Japan to feature him as more than just like, hey, here's a Gaijin guy who's come over and it's just like in kind of tag team matches and stuff, which I do suspect it will be kind of some of that stuff. I could very easily see him slotting into the the U.S. title picture, which has kind of gotten a little bit muddy because Sonata's hurt, had to vacate it. Now it's going to be Tanahashi and Osprey, but they like to have like an American in that picture. And Dickinson seems like he could easily slot right in there, sort of where Archer was before Archer went to sort of AEW full time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with all of that. I, on top of that, not just the U.S. title, I think he'd be a good candidate for like the never open weight title scene. Um, I, currently, uh, Evil's the champion, which I'm I'm not uh, an Evil fan. Most people aren't, but I think that him beating Evil for the title would be nice. Um, I, I really want to see him and Tomohiro Ishii in Japan. I think that would be a banger as well. Like, there's a lot of really good matches Dickinson can have, but I like that a lot. I like the idea of him being uh, in the U.S. title mix and possibly like the never open weight title mix, like kind of like right off the bat, like day one, establish him as a guy who's a threat for uh, for those kind of title belts. They got enough titles. You can you can slot them anywhere. Get them after one of those titles. I wish they would do more with the the never open weight title. I've had a long complaint about that. Now it's on evil, so I have no expectations they'll do anything with it. But yeah, you get booked against Tanahashi. Feel like that that's a yeah. that's a message of like this is going to be a guy we got some some plans for here. Yeah, I look forward to seeing fine. him in Japan. I definitely think that he can get over big in Japan with his look and his style as well. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's a good sign of confidence going in there with Tanahashi. I mean, he's, I know the comparison gets made a lot, but he's basically their John Cena. I mean, like that's, yes. you know, and it doesn't really get much bigger than that. Um, My other spotlight is the Briscoes. It seems like they're going with TNA, TNA impact right now. You know, they, they did the match with FTR at, at ROH. I don't know what Tony Khan's plans are. We've, we've seen the reports. We've heard the reports with, with Warner media, obviously ROH and the Warner media have, have the ties with AEW and every, and Tony Khan. So I don't know if ROH does land on Warner media in some regard, whether it's a streaming service or whether it's on true TV or something, I don't know how they're going to feel about the Briscoes. Briscoes, obviously they, they worked the multiverse show. Uh, They're working it seems like they're going to work the, Re- the Rebellion show. It seems like they're going to be one of the eight teams in that uh, elimination tag team match. They're definitely working the the tapings that are afterwards. They've been announced for, for the upcoming tapings. So they're doing more with Impact moving forward. Um, I mean, what do we think about the Briscoes being an Impact, Jensen? I mean, I love it. You know, I, and I know there's the – we've talked about it plenty on the show. So if you want to, like, go back and hear our thoughts on the whole, like, why they are or aren't a part of certain companies and all that stuff. Like we've, we've talked about that at nauseum over the last few weeks, but as far as like entering wrestlers, credibility as a tag team, all that, all the stuff they can bring to the table. Once again, Mark and Jay also can both wrestle as singles guys. There's a lot of stuff you can do with those guys. Um, from a talent standpoint, I think that they're, I mean, I think impact would be foolish to not do business with them. If, if, if the Briscoes were interested, um, I put the the Impact World Titles on them as soon as humanly possible. If I'm being honest, you know they they recently lost the GCW tag titles uh, to Bussy. Uh, they they I don't know if they'll be a part of NWA going forward or not. Um, but they have they, they've at least got them. they still got their tag title match against La Rebellion, right? That's right. They're, they're building that right now. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and I mean, that's the thing with the Briscoes. They're 
I honestly think the Briscoes are out of position. They're in a position in the landscape of wrestling right now where every company they're in, they should be the tag team champions. If not, they should be like in that mix wrestling the top tag teams. Like um, they lost to the Good Brothers at Multiverse of Matches. Wasn't a big fan of that personally. Um, you know, I and the Good Brothers are apparently on their way out of Impact as well, or at least I feel uh, like, like their contracts stay. coming up. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they resign. Well, I don't think they're going to have a lot of options. I think it's been proven that they just aren't as big as stars as what uh, the perception was when they left the WWE. I, I, I might be brutally honest. Um, and I've said this for a long time. I think Carl Anderson as a singles guy is infinitely more entertaining than him, him and Gallo's teaming together. That's just me personally. But uh, I, I, I don't see there being a big need for AEW to get them. I don't think WWE has any interest. Um, you know, And I think, like, I think staying in Impact is a better option than like, testing the the indies again or trying to get your footing back in new japan or going to nwa like they got a pretty decent thing going for themselves and impact uh just not a whole lot of buzz around them um you know this is what it is um i think that uh the briscoes are a way better tag team than the good brothers are if i had to like compare the two so when the good brothers won i was like that's oh, kind of lame um but then i was like but the Briscoes aren't really in impact. So like, but now they kind of are like, they're going to be a part of the tapings the day after rebellion. Um, by the way, I'm assuming the rebellion post show will be me and Denise Salcedo. It usually is for, for the impact shows. Um, so check that out. That's usually right here on this, the same YouTube channel uh, for fightful. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think the Briscoe, like if the Briscoes want to go to impact and impact wants them, you go all the way, like you put the titles on them and you have, I mean, you also have the potential of having Jay Briscoe be in the world title mix because he has a lot of credibility as a singles guy. And Mark's a good singles guy too, just not with the same, not with the same like history of winning world championships as, as Jay. But like, yeah, I think 100%. Like, I, you feel the same way. Like, if they're going to be a part of Impact, like, you might as well put them in the title mix and might as well put the titles on them. Yes. Uh, first shout out, Andy. Got you says, guys, tickets to, to Rebellion and the TV tapings. Have fun, man. Should be uh, some good good matches there. Uh, good stuff coming out of Impact. A lot of people are saying, you know, people were sleeping on Impact. We're an Impact podcast now. We cover Impact every single week on this podcast. Um, as far as the Briscoes, I've I've sung their praises plenty of times. Like Jensen has said, we, we've covered a lot of the, the history and everything with that. Obviously, great move for Impact if this is what they're going to work out. I imagine Briscoes can still do other stuff. I'd like to see them go go to Japan, maybe compete in World Tag League, something like that. Uh, I feel a little bit bad for them in that, you know, if WWE wanted them, they probably would have had them by now. I think AEW does want them. I think Tony Khan does like them, but there's the Warner Media stuff, and now that's going to kind of keep them out of ROH for those same reasons. So now, like this is no knock on impact. Can they do? They their television is good. They're they're just at where they're at in the wrestling landscape when it comes to things. And now the Briscoes are going to be there, and it's like this is just a team that has just never been able to get in front of that big audience that you would have liked to see, given that they might be one of the five best tag teams of all time. It's like they never got in front of that big national television audience that you would hope for given their standings in tag team history. And I think that's very, very unfortunate. And that's why, even though I'm look great that they're going to get a job with Impact, they're going to still have great matches. There's plenty of good tag teams in Impact for them to have great matches with. It does suck that they're just never going to be on that level that you think about when you think of like the Young Bucks, FTR, Usos, New Day, teams like that, 
where you talk about the great tag teams and you talk about them largely because they are right in front of you in present of all time, like the casual or, or the, the, the non hardcore fan can reference all of these teams. And they're like, who are the Briscoes? It's like the Briscoes have been having these killer matches long before these teams existed. It's just, no one really knew because they were just an ROH the whole time. And they never made it like when Danielson, Joe punk, all these guys went to WWE or, or when they went to impact with even impact had more visibility. Uh, they, they know like AJ, when he went to impact from ROH, they never reached impact during that time when impact had more visibility. And then those guys went to WWE. Now those guys are in AEW and it's like, they were just always where the eyeballs weren't. And I think that's very unfortunate. Yeah. Dude, I, I mean, they've been around so long. I remember when they were wrestling in like wrestling singlets. Remember that? I mean, like, yeah. for, I mean, that was like 20 years ago. I mean, like that's, so yeah, it, and part of it is, I mean, they kept re-signing with ROH over and over again. Um, I, and that could have been because like there just wasn't better options for them. I mean, I, I but they were there for like forever. Um, and it is unfortunate, like you said, like they're they should be spoken about the same way that we talk about all these other great tag teams throughout history. Because it, it, especially if you want to narrow it down to like outside of WWE. Um, like they might be the best tag team to never wrestle for the WWE ever. So, I mean, it's them. It's them or the Young Bucks because I don't think the Young Bucks are ever gonna kind of go to WWE. Yeah, yeah, true. I guess you can kind of say at this point WWE or AEW because like yeah. AEW is like really, really, really high level. Um, but you no, know, no, I'm with you. I mean, I I personally think the Young Bucks are they might be the best tag team ever. So like I'm I'm I if, if I'm saying just WWE, like yeah, the the Young Bucks would would give the Briscoes a run for their money as far as that that particular uh, statement. But yeah, the the point is the Briscoes are, I mean they're they're way up there. Uh, JJ says Motor City Machine Guns, they're way up there too. They're they're a fantastic tag team. They're I I'd have them below the Briscoes all time. Longevity does play. Yeah. A big part of that but you listen to have fun uh drew or don't have fun it's work it sucks i hope work is fun but i appreciate you, you hanging out with us drew and hopefully work goes well and goes by fast um yeah longevity I plays, i'm wearing this i'm wearing a young buck shirt right now <laughs> longevity plays a a big a big aspect in the briscoes and i think they've had overall their catalog of matches is better than motor city machine guns but you listen to a, a lot of tag teams and, and young bucks are very quick to say how much Motor City Machine Guns like influenced their style and everything. I, I hope we get Briscoes against Motor City Machine Guns in Impact. I think it'd be great. Um, very possible. We yeah. should. We should get that. Yeah. So yeah, good on good on Impact and, and the Briscoes do working together. I look forward to all the matches. Yeah, my my glass half empty take is that it just sucks that they're just going to once again be where not on that national level. Uh, Andy Spotlight, Stephen Jensen. Uh, I'll, I'll go with mine first because I apologize that I'm I'm putting you and our audience through this. My handy spotlight is control your narrative. And I don't know if you want to consider this an indie. I don't know if they consider themselves an indie. That might be a dirty term in the world of uh, Adam Share. So uh, apologies to him. I don't necessarily have anything against what they're what they're trying to do. I think when EC3 left, WWE, I think he had good intentions with the whole, hey, let's make films type of things. I, th- I thought the Cardona free the narrative thing was good. I thought the one with Strowman was good as well. Uh, the stuff with Moose, I thought that, like, and Moose has said, like, that kind of took him to a different level and made him, like, realize of what 
you know, his character should be. And I, mean, I thought that helped him out. I think EC3 has good intentions with what he is doing and what he's trying to create. Uh, as a promotion, clearly stuff is not working with, with all of it in that like you're hiring these guys. Maybe you should stay away from certain people who you know are just going to bring a reaction that doesn't look good for your company because the talent is not there for it. Uh, and I'd say the same thing to a lot of companies because NWA is doing similar stuff with people that they are bringing in. And I don't think it's a good look for them either, but just no one really pays attention to the NWA, which uh, what can you do? Uh, they're doing some decent stuff, but yeah. Uh, I just want to, so if you want NWA thoughts, I cover it on the weekend or every Sunday. If I there you go. There you go. Um, as far as like the buzz and stuff, control your narrative has going on. They held a show WrestleMania weekend. I don't know if you know this because I couldn't find anything from it. There's maybe like two clips out there. I don't know if anybody posted results from this show. There was just nothing from, from WrestleMania weekend of this. Yeah, they've, they've chosen Taco Bell as their fast food choice. I like Taco Bell. I fuck with Taco Has Bell. Has Taco also. Bell chosen them? Like, are they sponsoring them? Or are they just like, because I mean, like Alex Zane is like actually sponsored by Taco Bell. I I saw like a little clip of it. They're just like going to Taco Bell and they're like, this is our fast food place. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, Arsham here can can explain it a little bit more because he probably watched the full thing and I, I didn't. Um here here's my overall sort of beef with control your narrative is what Strowman adam sure is kind of doing on social media don't do it all right all right kids don't do that do not be that online and if you are trying to get this product over where people already have a certain opinion on this product because uh because of the people you are hiring they already have a, an opinion formulating on it don't go online and like bash those people or try to make more waves to just create more hatred toward towards your product especially especially if you if you're somebody like sure who he'll get mad if you call him braun Strowman. if you're somebody like him who like he talks about mental health and being positive and stuff like don't go on and just start fighting with people online that is completely the opposite of what you want to do. All right. There could be toxic positivity. You don't have to lean positive all the time. You don't have to do that, but you don't also have to feed into negativity and draw negativity. All right. And that is what he is seemingly doing with this stuff. Like there's no reason to go after buff Bagwell uh, of all people with this stuff. And it looked like they made good, which was great. Looked like they're, they're friends. I'm sure buff for a payday might show up and control your narrative. I don't know. Uh, Jordan Oliver called them out because you know, sure was talking bad about the indies when he was with WWE of like, yeah, I'm hanging up my boots if that time ever comes because I ain't doing a bunch of indie loops and everything like that. Uh, and now, I this is why they probably don't want to consider themselves an indie because Adam sure doesn't like the indies. Just if people already have a certain opinion on your product and they already have reasons to dislike it, whether you agree or disagree with those reasons, if you're running the product, do not feed into it more. All right. I, if people do not like the headlines that I write, I do not argue with them. 
I, I just like, sure, you either get it or you don't. I pop myself. Jim Cornette doesn't understand my headline. All right, I will just pop myself and be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. I'm not trying to lean into it and explain to him or bash him or whatever whatever the, the case might be. Okay, just stay off of social media when it comes to this. Knock it off with this stuff. Actually create some buzz with what you're doing because I don't know if this stuff is good. I'm never going to, I'll watch it. You know what? They're, they're coming to Cleveland. They're coming to Cleveland like next month. Sean Ross Sapp, Jimmy Van, whose money I never see a dime from, pay me to go to this. I don't know how much tickets are. Pay me to go to the rant room. I'll go ask EC3 all the questions. I'll ask Braun, Adam, all the questions. Pay me to go to this. And then pay me double and triple on top of that because for, for my own mental health to go to this and to cover this. All right? Uh, all right? Um, they're going to be on Pro Wrestling TV. I don't know if this, you know, what kind of, what kind of, like, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't know what kind of uh, space they're going to carve out. It seems like it could be very much a uh, flow slam kind of situation where it might not last long. I wish the best for them. The more platforms, the more ways to watch wrestling. Great. Fantastic. Uh, if the, the shows are available and we can kind of see what they're doing, cool. I don't know if this works as a weekly television product, a monthly television, whatever it might be. I liked some of the stuff EC3 was doing initially when he was kind of like making these movies and whatnot. Going, leaning into a full promotion. It's cool that, that you're giving your, your friends a place to work and you're paying guys. Great. The more wrestlers they get paid, the more places people have to work. Fantastic. All for that. Control your own narrative and stop being dickheads on Twitter. Okay? That's my final point on all this. Yeah, I mean, I think you you covered pretty much anything I could have really brought up. I will say um, it get, the the Adam Schur stuff like gives me big time Ryback online vibes, which is not a good thing. Um, especially as Ryback is this dude who will go out there and like preach about reading positivity books, like the the secret and all this stuff, and like, but then just be an asshole to everybody. I hate- I hate that shit. The people who preach positivity the most are like the most toxic people in the world, I, I feel like. And maybe that's a, a over overgeneralization by my part. And, and, and I apologize for that. But like, again, there is such things as toxic positivity of leaning too much into the positivity that you are just negative. And they don't even like hide it with the way they act towards people online and being negative. Knock it off. Well, I, I think a lot of people that <laughs> seek out those kind of like, positivity books is because like you're a super negative person who's like looking for a way to become positive and then you you like learn a couple of things that like kind of help you with that and then you think you're like this be all end all like guru on positivity and then like anything negative happens you're just an asshole and then you're like well i'm not an asshole i'm the one who reads the secret so like you're the asshole i'm i'm better than you are because i i I read about positivity, even though I'm not a positive person, but I try to be, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of a weird dynamic. Um, the thing with, the thing with Strom, I'm just calling him Stroman. Um, like, I, I think the thing with Stroman is like, this dude has very, very limited professional wrestling skills. He was put in a, in a big time position very, very fast with the WWE. It, yeah, he got to like to the top of the mountain, I guess. By they fumbled with him, they by did. the way. I'll, I'll, I'll be on his side in that, like, he should have been a much bigger star than, than he was for them. And I thought he was, he's perfect for their system. And the fact that it didn't work out is, it looked bad on WWE at first, and now he is making it look bad on himself, which is tough to do. 
Right. Well, and he's making it look bad on himself because he doesn't have the perspective that most wrestlers do where like they came from the Indies, they came from nothing, they came from the hot dog and the handshake. Like he he comes from the world of powerlifting that might be fairly similar. There might not be a lot of money in that and stuff. I I, I legitimately don't know. And I know his dad is like a big time, uh, like a male softball player, which I think is cool. Like I played so- intramural softball in college. I had a lot of fun. Like I'd, I'd join a, a men's league if, if I had enough buddies around that wanted to do it like right now. Like I have nothing against any of that stuff. But once again, this is like, this. this I think his perception is just way different than somebody like a Jordan Oliver. Cause Oliver has been grinding the Indies for years and he's still young and he's been doing it for years already. And he probably sees guys like Stroman saying the stuff they say, and he's like, who are you to say anything about this? You, you never lived this life. Like you're, you're going to, you're, you know, I remember him saying stuff when people were losing their jobs over the, over the pandemic, being like really insensitive to people thinking that like, well, like, you know, just figure it out. Like I figured it out. And it's like, we didn't figure anything out. You were handed massive opportunities in the WWE without having to prove yourself at all in the world of wrestling. And now you're in a position where you can't really work anywhere else because no one else is going to pay you that kind of money. Like you can't, you can't, if you're an indie promoter, even if Braun Strowman wanted to work the indies, you can't justify paying that guy thousands and thousands of dollars to show up and do a match that you know isn't even going to be a good match in front of fans who don't really want to see him wrestle like you can't it's so really the only place he can be successful is the wwe and control your narrative i have no idea what they pay i i have no clue whatsoever but he's worked something out to where he's a part of that good for him but like it, it, when when you're online and you're making the case worse and worse for yourself and worse and worse for the company you're working for you're not doing them any favors. You're, you're making the, the situation worse for everybody. Um, I told you before the stream, I want to keep the person's name out of this, but I, I, I have a good friend who talked to EC3 in Dallas, Texas over this past WrestleMania weekend. And he said he, he talked to EC3 and EC3 was like really candid about it and really real about it. And he basically said like, I, he was like, man, I, I feel really bad about what's happened with my brand because he did all this work, like you said, to go to companies like Impact and have feuds with people like Moose and do this stuff in Ring of Honor and do it on the indies and really build this whole... Because when he left the WWE, he left with the fans being like, screw the WWE for not doing more with EC3. Like, this guy went from NXT, like original NXT, like pre-network NXT as uh, Derek Bateman... I don't, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember when they, they were the the um the USA guy vignettes that they filled for him years mm-hmm. ago that never went anywhere? Like he he basically was gonna be like, like the Team America kind of like America, fuck yeah! Like he like that was what he was gonna be, and it looked like it was gonna be really funny. And they just didn't they did nothing with it, and they they let him go. Goes off to Impact, completely reinvents his career. Ethan Carter the third gets over big time, becomes a real a real name in the world of wrestling, and then you know his NXT run was what it was. Is his Ron's bad time run was, was really really bad. The fans felt bad for him. The fans wanted to get behind him. The fans wanted, and and then he went kind of from the EC3 character to like this completely different thing, which I think part of that honestly probably has to do with guys like MJF doing EC3 better than EC3 did. Like he probably felt like he needed to, to pivot. And my point is he pivoted and it looked like it was working to a degree. It was working an impact. It was working in ring of honor. It might not have been the best thing on the show. Everyone's cup of tea, but it was getting airtime. And he used that to parlay that into his own wrestling company. And now all anyone's talking about is them being 
super like alt right wing and being anti-vax and being this and that. And regardless of what your political views are, you have to know when you bring in certain people that you're going to get negative. Per- there's going to be negative perception involved. And he keeps bringing in people that are getting negative perception to his company. And in my opinion, he sh- him and the performers involved, guys like Sure, guys like Aries and stuff. Like, honestly, I think they should just not respond. Like, if people That's are going after him, just don't do. respond. Because the more that they keep fighting back, the, the 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 deeper this hole is getting for this company, and all this anti-vax, right wing, no mask, yada yada stuff is all overshadowing the actual company and the actual wrestling and the everything that they're actually trying to do with this alternative kind of wrestling company. So it just it's become it's become convoluted. It's become a big mess. Um, and unfortunately the company for, unfortunately for them, the company has very, very, very little buzz and it comes off as kind of sad and and cheesy and desperate. I don't think that there's a big market for the idea of like, like, uh, almost like, uh, I don't know how to put this almost like self torture to prove yourself. Like, like, yeah, you're like, they'll, they'll, they'll talk in ways that are like, your biggest opponent isn't the opponent across the ring from you. Your biggest opponent is yourself. And we're going to beat you up until you realize who you are. And it's like, lame? Like, who cares? You know? I, I think they can do... I mean, I'm with you on that. that. That might not be necessary. But I think they can do something where it is, like, Luke Underground-esque of, like, a cinematic world that where you tell stories in that world. And I, I don't know if this was their original plan... But that that was sort of the vision I had in my mind when when I when EC3 was like talking about a lot of this stuff, and I saw like the the, the free the narrative stuff was like, oh, if they're gonna do like some weekly stuff, you could make it like television episodic stuff, do like cinematic whatnot, but still have wrestling matches. Like you can do that, and I feel like it can work. I don't know if that was the original plan. If it, if it was, it has gone way off the rails. If it wasn't, pay me a bunch of money, and I'll run that uh, kind of company. I think EC3 has the, some of the hiring stuff. I'm not the biggest fan of all of that, but I think he's handled a lot of the criticism well as far as like he'll respond to some of it, but some of it will be very tongue in cheek and pop it himself type of thing. I have no problem with that. I do that all the time. Uh, the other people will just go flat out attack hate with hate. And that is where you're winning absolutely no battles right there. You're just not winning yeah. any battles. Yeah, I completely agree. So it's one of those things where, in all honesty, I hope they turn it around. I really do. Like, I hope they can figure this thing out because, you know, it is is it just it just is what it is at this point, and it's just this just doesn't look good. And and unfortunately, there isn't even really a space that I think feel like this is really needed in pro wrestling. So it's like they're not really like filling like a niche that like the, that I think there's a whole lot of fans like clamoring for because like if you want to see wrestling with Oh, it's like a certain type of rule set. Like you could watch ROH pure matches. You could watch Terminus. You can watch uh blood sport. You know, you can watch a whole bunch of stuff that isn't, that doesn't have all this extra stuff attached to it. That brings so much negativity. So, and once again, I think the biggest problem with all this, if I'm being completely honest is guys like Strowman fighting the fans constantly over, over this stuff. Like if, if, if you are, if you're someone like Austin Aries or Braun Strowman and you want to have the takes that you have, I'm okay with that. Like I'm very pro free speech. Like I'm, I'm, I'm way more liberal than what people probably realize when it comes to most things. But when you're doing the fighting hate with hate thing, like 
when you're talking about not wearing masks, you've got to know that there's going to be a lot of people that are like, yo, you need to be wearing a mask. Like, this is messed up. You should be wearing a mask. And the best thing you can do is just be like, okay, I understand your point of view. Like, or like, just not say anything at all to just keep fighting back. Just the hole just keeps getting deeper. And it just, it just isn't good for the, it just isn't good for the brand. So this is what it is. Spotlight, Steven Jensen, AC Mack, Cole Roderick, Trey Lamar, winner take all, triple threat. Yes, 100%. I mean, so this match, the, the reason this is my spotlight is because this has been announced. It is official. It is happening on April the 23rd, and I believe it will be live on IWTV. This is a big match in the world of independent professional wrestling. You have IWTV world champion AC Mack defending his title against unsanctioned pro champion Cole Radrick and Ohio Wrestling Alliance champion Trey Lamar. All three titles are on the line and it's winner take all triple threat match. So I wanted to just, we don't, we won't talk too much about the match because it hasn't happened yet, but I wanted to throw that out there into the world and let people know April 23rd, huge match coming up, three titles, three super talented wrestlers and, uh, you know, guys, we've had eight, we've had AC Mack on this show. We've had Cole Radrick on this show. It wouldn't be too hard to get Trey Lamar on this show. We should probably get him pretty soon. Um, and these are these are guys who all have super bright futures and they're killing it. Um, Jeremy, who do you think wins this thing? Because if they're going to unify all these titles, like that's a big deal, and it's going to be either AC Mack, Cole Radrick, or Trey Lamar. I'm leaning towards AC Mack winning this. How about you? I'm leaning towards AC Mac as well. Okay. Um, but I think all three options are great options. Like Trey Lamar has been kind of like one of those next guys up for a minute. Like uh, yeah. when, uh, when guys like this was a while ago, but when guys like Blake Christian Al- and Alex Zane and Anthony Henry and like those kind of guys, uh, like we're getting signed by the WWE. They're all, you know, have left the WWE since then. But when that happened, I was like, Trey Lamar is going to be one of those guys that, that starts filling those gaps. And he, and he's become that, which I think is really cool. And then Cole Radrick, is killing it everywhere he is at. We talk about him all the time, especially with the work he's doing in GCW right now. And AC Mack just recently won the IWTV title. And I think he's a great representative for that title. But I think all three of these guys would be, by the way. But I think AC, uh, given the way that he won the title and the whole story of him, like this match is also happening in Ohio. So like it isn't, AC is going back on the whole doing this in the South also, which is interesting because he was holding the the bell hostage in the South, but he's going to go to Ohio to defend it. So, um, okay. This is, this is April 23rd. We're at what company? This is in this Ohio wrestling Alliance. It is at the Franklin County fairgrounds in how Hillard, Ohio. Hillard, Ohio. I don't know how far that away. Okay. Franklin County. Yeah. I'm going to Google this to see how, oh, I don't think I can go to it because I actually have family in town because April 23rd is next weekend. Um, Franklin, what was that? Franklin County fairgrounds. I yes, Franklin CO Fairgrounds. It says, um, it says it's okay, in the Edwards yeah. building. If that helps, oh, it's two hours away. I could probably go to this if I did not have family in town next weekend. I I honestly I would go to this if I did not have family in town next weekend because it sounds like it'd be very fun. Cancel my family plans and be like, look, I gotta <laughs> go to this indie wrestling event. Um, but it sounds it sounds great if it's on IWTV. TV. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Not next week, but the following week. Uh, week, uh, it'll I'm sure it'll be your spotlight, uh, and we'll, we'll break down the match and then talk about kind of what it means for for independent wrestling. But I'm looking forward to it. You've gotten me a lot more into independent wrestling and watching these types of matches. And like you said, we've had AC Mac on, we've had Cole Radrick, 
Um, if Trelamar wins, maybe we'll we'll get him on on the show as well. Uh, so yeah, should be should be a great match. Absolutely. That's yeah. Just wanted to put that out there uh, as my indie spotlight this week. Like that's it's a really really big match with three really prestigious titles on the line, and one one person is going to walk out holding all three belts. And uh, I think people need to be hyped up for it and be because uh, it originally was going to be Trey Lamar versus Cole Radrick one on one. And then AC Matt cut a promo on Twitter, like in a Twitter video um, about his, about how he wants in on this. And uh, so it was, it, it's kind of come out of the, out of nowhere, but like we got two weeks or so to like build or about a week or so to, 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 to get hyped up for this and get, to get people watching. Also, by the way, for what it's worth, speaking of IWTV uh, this Sunday, watch Southern underground pro. That's going to be, I think at like two or 3 PM Eastern. Uh, that's my favorite independent company out of Nashville. And I went to a lot, all their shows, like when I lived there, um, that's going to be this weekend. So uh, you also check that out as well. Sup Raps, um, Southern Underground Pro. And as JJ said in the chat, I'll put that on the screen. When you sign up for IWTV, use code Fight Talk, F-I-G-H-T-T-L-K. All is one word, no spaces. Helps me out when you uh, use that code. There you go. Uh, guys, we're going to go to our interview with speedball mike bailey uh he's coming off of his wrestlemania weekend where he wrestled everyone under the sun he's got impact rebellion next weekend where he's tra uh, tra traveling challenging for the uh impact x division championship so we're gonna throw this to, to our interview with speedball once again there were some connection issues throughout you don't lose any context you don't lose any content from from the interview there's just it's more video than the audio but the audio does hiccup Every now and again, Speedball was in a hotel. He just wrestled Minoru Suzuki two nights before. All right, cut the man some slack after all these matches he's had. But Speedball Mike Bailey, right here on the spot. Hi, everyone, to the creator spotlight here on the spotlight. There he is. He popped out of screen for a second. He's back in. Speedball Mike Bailey is here with us. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I had a day off yesterday, uh, despite being you on the road and traveling for like 15 days straight i'm not home though i am currently in san francisco uh in a hotel room where i'll be staying for the next few days until my seminar on thursday and then show on friday and then i just keep going after that uh, man you you 100 deserve a day off because you did about 15 matches at uh wrestlemania weekend and then like a madman you turn around the next week and you're wrestling minoru suzuki like, so, hold on now. It, it was it was nine in three days. You don't have to exaggerate and say fifteen. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like nine in three days is enough. We don't need to to, to add anything extra. But yeah, um, so those nine matches were in Dallas, Texas, and then uh, we drove up Veda and I. We drove down together to from Texas, then we drove up to Pittsburgh. Then I wrestled for Enjoy in Pittsburgh, and then we flew to San Francisco, where I wrestled you know, Suzuki, and that's my last two weekends madman been so, been, been so much fun as a fan watching all this man like all the whole, for sure the whole the whole collective week all the stuff you got going on in impact wrestling um jeremy where do you want to start with this uh because we'll kind of go by which which you want to go with <clears throat> i mean let's start with the match with with alex shelley at impact uh multiverse of matches and how are you feeling about that match and what do you think of that overall because i know there was a, a lot of lists that that came out and like three of your matches in the top five uh and i know alex shell the match with alex shelley was up there as well that's right i had my very own section in the river thing where you had like aw ring of honor speedball and uh, 
<laughs> so that was pretty but so um I was going so hard for those three days, just taking it match by match, trying to get from venue to venue, just completely on autopilot, fully focused on whichever match I had next. Um, it took me a few days after the fact, like think about it and, you know, look at some photos and watch the match back and go, man, I wrestled Alex Shelley, which is obviously someone that I've been like, following their career paying attention to for the better part of the last 20 years or so and to finally get a solid singles match on a huge platform with him was absolutely amazing and that is truly a good way to describe the whole experience of being back in the u.s and wrestling for impact for me it's getting to do all those things that i've been wanting to do for so long and i'm glad it's working out so well for now yeah. Well, and speaking of, you know, you got some big stuff coming up with Impact Wrestling. Uh, you, you've really been highlighted heavily since joining the promotion. Like, you came in, uh, you you came to Ace Austin, like, right away uh, once joining Impact Wrestling. Now we're getting to a point where we got a big triple threat X Division match coming up. You, Trey Miguel, and Ace Austin. Um, how are you preparing for this? And uh, how excited are you to mix it up with these two guys? Because that's so much talent, the three of you in the ring together. It absolutely is. Um the exhibition is so stacked right now, and I feel like it's me, Ace, uh, and Trey being in the match is it, it's us, but it could be anyone right now because that division is so stacked. Um, there's a lot going into this match. Ace and I have a very complicated relationship, um, so I expect that to play out. And Trey is, of course, on top of his game and absolutely amazing and just a world-class performer but how i've been preparing i mean i've had uh 11 matches in the past two weeks and you know i always feel like whenever i have a weekend and shows like friday saturday and sunday the first one is always my worst match because even though like i've only had four four days off maybe it just takes me that one match to fully get back into it and then once i've done the first one i am in zone for saturday and sunday but i've been wrestling so much recently and knock on wood i am healthy and injury free so i feel like i am fully prepared completely in my zone and just this is the best possible preparation i could have for the one of the biggest the biggest opportunity of my career so far um and also before then before rebellion on 23rd i'll be wrestling moose for the Impact World Championship at Evolver. So that is a big opportunity. I could be coming into this exhibition title match with the Impact World Championship. And wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't even have to do option C, would be right on top of things. Uh, it's a lot of pressure, it's a lot, and it's a lot to focus on. But I do believe that that exhibition world title match will be my greatest showing by that. You you can do the, the reverse option C, become the world champion and then become the exhibition champion afterwards and have both the belts. I can do it all, yeah. The world is my oyster. Do you feel like there's any more more pressure or how do you feel about the relationship with Impact that they trust you so much with all these opportunities? That, uh, you know, you're wrestling all these matches, WrestleMania weekend, you're about to face Moose and a for the Impact title and a company that's not Impact and you're right in there in the exhibition. I mean, you just signed with them 
at, at the start of the year and you're already having these big matches, big opportunities. Like what's the relationship like and the trust level there with you and Impact? I feel like it's a very fair relationship. I mean, uh, they like I, I don't I don't think there's any sort of uh, like force behind them. They could put me in any position and I would still stand out in the same way I am doing right now. Uh, I am extremely grateful for the opportunities I'm given, but I can't imagine like where they could possibly put me, who they would possibly have me wrestle, that it wouldn't be uh, a notable performance. Because again, the Impact roster is so stacked and there's so much happening right now. And I am extremely confident in my ability to deliver consistently exciting performances so I mean, I think I think it's a mutually beneficial relationship. I feel like it's only fair, and I feel like I will keep giving it my all. Yeah, and one thing that I really like about you is kind of the consistency. Like when you see you on Impact, it's like the same speedball that we see everywhere else. And you're such an exciting guy to watch. Like I loved your match with Ninja Mac, for instance. Like that was like all over the place, some stuff I've never seen before. Uh, your match against Cole Radrick at Unsanctioned Pro during the collective was my favorite match of the whole collective weekend. All wow. five shows. That, that was my. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, I, you, I mean, I thought it was incredible stuff. Um, I, I wanted to ask you two. It's a two part question. First part, um, why did you choose Brass Monkey for your entrance music? Because I think that's a great theme song. And also, how did you come up with the idea to kick the fans' hands when they go for high fives? I think that's really cool. Also. So, okay, so uh, those are very good questions. So the Brass Monkey thing, um, I didn't have a theme song at the time, and the, the person that was doing the music at C4 Wrestling, which is where I started using it, was kind of like, what's your theme song? I was like, I don't know, just pick something for me. And so he picked Brass Monkey, which I love because it does not sound like a professional wrestling theme song at all. It doesn't have that big, like, kicks in and gets the energy going with some big, you know, drums and guitar. No, it's very like chill in a funky way, which I really feel is different, which is what I, how I try to make my wrestling feel. I don't want to have, you know, the, I know I, I bring a unique skill set to professional wrestling and I want to highlight that. Um, and then the, the kicking the hands and stuff is, uh, more of a practical thing than you would imagine. So uh, something I learned very early on in my life as a 12-year-old doing Taekwondo competitions is that warming up is important, but warming up too much is counterproductive. And I have been burned one too many times by warming up, getting ready to go, breaking a sweat, feeling loose, being ready for the match, and then hearing the announcer on the mic go, and now time for the and then having to wait another 10 minutes and then cooling down before going out and, and having to warm up again. So now what I try to do is warm up as close to my match as possible. And oftentimes that is during my entrance. So trying to throw as many kicks as possible within that very short period of time is tantamount to me being ready to wrestle when the bell rings. I'm mentioning your 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 kicking <laughs> style and 
one one way that stood out was at Bloodsport against uh Yo Yo Yumora, and it was a very much a, a striker versus grappler battle there. Like, who influ- What kind of influences do you have with the with the kicking style? And then putting that match together, being in Bloodsport where your kicking can can stand out, going against a grappler like Yumora. Yeah, so um, I started doing Taekwondo, which is a striking-based martial art, mostly kicks, when I was uh, 11 years old, and I've since done boxing. My While I've learned a lot of grappling through professional wrestling and you know, dabble here and there, uh, strike my striking is where I'm, I'm best. I mean, if you've seen any of my matches, uh, it stands out quite a lot. Uh, and I think that the, the whole blood... And typically, from the, those shoot style tournaments, and I've been I've been part of uh, Ambition in WC, which is also shoot style, and it's very grappling heavy. Of course, people are professional wrestlers; they're used to the grappling, and to really get to bring that striking out, and you know, focus on that aspect really makes me stand out because there's a, not a lot of people that can do it quite like I can. Um, I remember one of my favorite shoot style matches I ever had was me versus uh, Axel Didier Jr who was known as Mar- Marcel Barthel for a while, who is now known as... Oh, they what? just changed his name on Friday. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Ludwig. 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 Yeah, correct. Ludwig. Is it Ludwig? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ludwig. Jensen. Yeah. The, the non-WB fan knows. I know. I, I, I watched SmackDown this week. Yeah, I watched SmackDown this week. Yes. Uh, regardless, so he was an, an amateur boxer as well. So we got to basically just open hand slap box for an entire fight. And that really stood out because, um, again, all the other, the rest of the ambition tournament was just just grappling, but that was one of the most fun matches I've ever had, and I was glad I was able to recreate that with Yuya, who is a Greco-Roman wrestler, and really try to keep him at bay with the kicks, and then have him catch me with the grappling. I thought made me for a really fun mix of styles. Well, and you know, you do more than just kicks. I mean, you do so much different stuff, like. In your matches you, you stylistically you're kind of all over the place which i think is really entertaining as a fan how did you come up with your finishing moves the ultimate weapon and the flamingo driver because i think they're both badass finishers and i want to know why you have chosen those moves to use uh okay so that's a great question and uh i'll be doing this is something i cover extensively in seminars but how to find a finisher so the shooting star knees started with me probably like 10 years ago messing up a standing backflip 450. So I stand up, do a backflip and land with my back on the guy, right? But I messed it up and I landed with my knees on the guy. And then I asked him after the match, oh no, I messed that up and landed with my knees on you. How how I feel? And he was like, oh, it was okay. I'm like, okay, maybe it was cool. Maybe I, you know, keep doing that. And then I was doing a shooting. I was using a Phoenix Splash as my first ever finisher, but doing it so often, it started to have be a lot of you know pressure on my wrist. So I started using a Shooting Star Press, which is like less impact on the rotation. But then after a while, like I want, I didn't want to use the press so much. I wanted to use it from a different position. So I started doing a Shooting Star Press to the back of the person, and then uh, I thought, why don't I mix the two a little bit and you know, went from the back with knees to the shooting start to the back to doing the knees to the back. And then, you know, that being the coolest thing I did had to be my, my finishing move. Uh, the Flamingo driver came with me putting my fiance Veda Scott in just weird submissions to 
uh, hang around and I just sat her up on the top row and locked, you know, locked her up. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And uh, I was doing it at a Rev Pro show where Colt Cabana was just watching as we were messing around. And he was like, he said it, he said, oh, flamingo driver, because the legs are crossed in the back. So Colt Cabana named that move. But the uh, the real reason why anything of mine becomes a finisher is because it's cooler than anything else that I do. So it you know, works its way up the chain and becomes a finisher. Which I think the mistake that a lot of pro make is deciding that a move is going to be their finisher because of, you know, a pun or whatever, or when really a move should be used as your finishing one because it's the biggest thing to do and because it works well in that position. Uh, a standout match from, from WrestleCon or from WrestleMania weekend was at WrestleCon against Bandito where you guys took home the bonus money and fans are literally throwing money at you guys at the end of the match. Like, how does that make you feel when the fans are just throwing money at you guys after, uh, after oh. the match is over? Fantastic, of course. Uh, Andito and I are now three for three in getting money thrown in the ring uh, after our matches. The first one was in Germany, then at uh, the main event of Bola Night One at PWG, and now again at WrestleCon, which they threw the money. And then we won that bonus, uh, as voted by fans, match of the night, $5,000, which of course feels fantastic, uh, especially given that I have a wedding uh, planning a wedding so the money is going to go to that and it's going to be very helpful so i'm extremely grateful for that um but yeah no uh bandito is definitely one of the best wrestlers in the world right now and anytime we get a drink together just we make fireworks and fantastic and i'm glad that everyone else enjoys me wrestling bandito as much as i enjoy wrestling bandito well, you know, you mentioned you got a wedding uh, coming up, and you mentioned her uh, a little earlier. How what's it like having Beta around? Like, how much does that help with her like support? And I a lot of the same shows as well. Yes, uh, couldn't do it. I I could not due to mostly necessity. Of course, in the uh, well, majority of our relationship. They lived in the U.S. and I could not come to the U.S. So we had to structure our career and tours around being able to be together, whether that was, you know, us setting up a tour together in in Europe or in Japan or uh, having them come to Canada and wrestling there. Um, it's, of course, like logistics wise has been extremely helpful as well as being able to like bounce ideas of each other for professional wrestling. Um, this, this is a long one so i'm hoping i won't eat up all the time but i think coaching in professional wrestling is something that's very lacking you have trainers but there are very little very few people that actually get like follow up by who trained them throughout their career and where you get advice from people that know and understand you and try to push you in the right direction and have the same view of wrestling that you do lucky my older brother wrestled as well and we had that earlier and i was able to you know once he stopped wrestling i was able to keep that relationship going with veda and we're always very honest and trusting in our feedback to one another and ideas of how to what to do with our career and what we should do and in which direction we could take taste things and in in terms of matches what worked and what didn't um and now uh that bandito match veda was doing commentary for the the whole the WrestleCon shows as well as uh you know eight other shows during that whole 
that whole weekend and now having their 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 voice uh on my matches and having veda tell my story as i'm wrestling just makes me so much more motivated because i know that the match is just going to be made so much better um because again they're an incredible incredibly passionate and dedicated commentator and they you know they will make every show that has their voice even better but to have them on my matches given the close relationship that we have in life and also in professional wrestling just makes everything so much better fans you guys can check out uh speedball mike bailey thursdays impact uh eight o'clock on access and then uh through impact on, on youtube as well he's challenging for the exhibition title impact rebellion on april 23rd speedball where can the fans find you at uh i'm at speedball bailey on twitter and instagram i am on twitch.tv slash speedball bailey where i stream and watch uh the best professional wrestling matches that i can find on the internet i have a vlog on my youtube uh just speedball mike bailey on youtube um but the best thing you can do if you would like to support me is go on youtube go on impacts youtube watch that match i had with alex jelly it's there it's free watch it right now and if you do like it if you enjoyed the match if you thought it lived up to the expectations then tell your friends share it make a tweet make a facebook post with the link and tell people hey this match was really good it's out for free and you can go and watch it i do encourage everyone to check out uh speedball on twitch when you guys are watching matches and talking about them it's really fun anytime i have time and i see you guys are streaming i pop on there and just it's i enjoy listening to you talk Yes, the best part is always when people come in with their own matches and are like, hey, yeah. well, can you watch my match? That is always the best, and uh, we have a lot of fun. You know what? I've actually uh, I've actually met fans that discovered you through Twitch before they'd ever seen you wrestle before, and then they became fans of you after. So I think that's really cool, too, that like the gaming world, like people that don't even watch you wrestle become fans of your wrestling through Twitch. That's really cool, too. So Yes, absolutely. I started Twitch uh, during the pandemic when I was – was at home and wanted to you know reconnect with the wrestling community but getting to go on shows and then go on twitch and talk about those matches and talk about the matches that happened in the weekend has just been the greatest time i i've been off for the last week because i've been traveling so much but i am i really miss it and i'm hoping to get back on it as soon as i can well you deserve a break after everything you've done over the past 10 days i don't here. want a break i wish i had more time <laughs> Sibel, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you again. Uh, again, Impact Rebellion, April 23rd, X Division Championship, Speedball, Ace Austin, Trey McGill. Trey McGill, thank you, Speedball. We'll be right back here on the spot. We're back on the spotlight. That was Speedball, Mike Bailey. Great guy. So we're doing. There we go. <laughs> yes. That's, that's his thing. That's his. That's his. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. We're going to kick hands, Jensen. You're going to put your hand out so I can, like, kick it. I I might oh yeah yeah put your, put your hand out uh, oh <laughs> um I, I honestly think that's like such a cool like because when I see him do that it reminds me of like it's funny because it it is kind of the practical usage that he talks about in the interview where when I saw him doing that I've always felt like that looked like if you were holding pads for somebody and you were training and like you know what I mean I I, I thought it was really cool how like there's the practical usage. Like he uses that to warm up before his match. Like I, yeah, it was awesome. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I'm very, uh, very happy with that interview. Very, very, uh, a huge shout out to, to speedball Mike Bailey for joining us. A guy who 
legitimately is one of the top professional wrestlers anywhere in the world right now, in my opinion. And, yeah. uh, and as we said, thanks for bearing with uh, some te technical difficulties. The the full interview will be up at some point in the near future on Fightful Overbooked as well. And sometimes it comes through a little bit clearer when it isn't live like this is. So, like, you know, if there's anything you missed or any, you got to go back at all, um, the interview should be over on Fightful Overbooked pretty soon. But, yeah, thanks again right. to Speedball for joining us. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm going to get that up probably this weekend, if not next week, to tie in with uh, Impact Revolution. Um, Rebellion, yep. Rebellion, yes. I always mess up the impact names. Uh, I completely forgot it was sacrificed the other uh, the other month. Um, but yeah, and, and articles will be up from it next week as well. So plenty plenty of stuff from from Speedball coming from the interview. But you know, you, you guys you guys who watch the spotlight, you get it first. You get it first. I know JJ Jensen quickly corrected me. I'm gonna keep calling it Revolution. A hey, Revolution's an AEW pay per view, so hey, pretty close. Well, you know what? They should not name their pay per views so close to each other. Okay. How about that? Sure. Knock it off, both companies. <laughs> Jensen, where can the people find you at? Find me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. As I said earlier, you can use code FightTalk, all as one word, no spaces, on IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. It just helps the platform know that I'm directing you that way. Uh, help helps me out. I appreciate when you'll use that code. Later tonight, I'll be on the Fightful Twitch Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Fightful Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Um, it'll either be myself and Joel Pearl playing Mario Kart or me uh, solo playing Fortnite. Uh, it just depends on Joe's uh, Joel's availability uh, with, you know, he's got a lot of a lot of parenting stuff and family stuff going on right now, which is very understandable. Um, so once again, that's later tonight. Twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Uh, we can listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast every Sunday at FightfulSelect.com. Tomorrow, Fightful Overbooked, 10 a.m., Grossy Dudes, me and SP3. I think we're going to be actually doing a special episode talking about Saved by the Bell instead of Degrassi tomorrow. Um, because, I'm going to jump on that. Okay, well, I know you talked to him right before me so yeah, um, on Friday. So I think we're going to do, because we wound up doing some Saved by the Bell talk on the last show, and we realized like we could do an easy do a, a whole podcast on just Saved by the Bell memories. And and Zach Morris's Trash. We're going to watch Zach Morris's Trash episodes on Twitch after Degrassi Dudes also. Um so, uh, so yeah, check that stuff out, Fightful Overbooked. And then everything else I got going on, uh, whether it be live rounds with Doug or any of the shows I do with Jesse, all that stuff, I just keep updated on my Twitter, FightTalk underscore. Just keep updated there, and uh, that's why you should follow me over there on Twitter. Thanks for everyone who watched this week. I really appreciate y'all. Uh, go to Fightful Overbooked right now for Day After Dynamite with Will Washington, who was there last night. At Jamming out during the theme songs. Yeah. Um, he was there. He he got the scoop on uh, Singh and the, the India connections there. So go support Fightful Overbook. Go support Will. And yeah, tomorrow FMC will be SB3 and I doing our NBA playoff review. And now that I know you guys are talking about Saved by the Bell, a show I've actually watched and not Degrassi Dudes uh, or Degrassi, a show I've never seen, uh, I might jump on that and chat with you guys about that as well. So uh, I'll actually do some shows on my my channel, my own channel for once, since I never do. Uh, guys, we appreciate the support. Appreciate all you guys. Enjoy uh, whatever your plans are for tonight, whatever your plans are for the weekend. We'll be back next week to talk more wrestling. You guys, enjoy. Have 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.